0: Hello everyone, my name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to listen to is a re-airing of an old episode of a podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. This episode originally aired March 14th, 2014, and focuses on the rogues' gallery of everyone's favorite favorite webhead, Spider-Man. My guests for this particular episode are Benjamin J. Cologne, Robert Cooper, and Jason Teasley. This is not the best episode of the series that was ever produced, but it is far from the worst, and the worst ones... They may just never again see the light of day. We'll just let them die. Uh, just for a little bit of context, if you're curious about why certain topics or characters or whatnot might be omitted from this discussion, March 14th, 2014 was a month and a half or so before the release of The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2, so there's no discussion of any of the uh, realities of that film. The Marvel Cinematic Universe was barely out of Phase 1. We're not that far removed from the first Avengers movie. So, if you're wondering about you know, some of the uh, specifics, of more recent versions of these characters, or anything in the comic books that happened after this particular date, why that's not discussed, it hadn't happened yet. We've, this originally aired in 14, as, as previously mentioned. So, thank you very much for listening to that. Let's... Uh Before we get into it in proper, let's pay a couple of bills real fast. We do have a few sponsors for this particular podcast. Up first is Grammarly. For you listeners of the W2M network, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. LinkedIn in particular would be kind of important, and if you're a public official, Twitter is the lack of an edit button on Twitter is a problem. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free. If you don't want to type all that in, there will be a link in the description below wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. Our second sponsor is Amazon Music. Spider-Man has been home to some pretty iconic songs, Uh, be that the theme song that everyone knows how to hum along to, Uh, the Sam Raimi series of movies has some darn good music to it, Uh, The Amazing Spider-Man has, it's one of the saving graces of those movies, I think. So if you want to get any of those, as well as more than 70 million other songs, Amazon Music can be had by you for 30 days free of charge on us. Go to getamazonmusic.com slash w2mnetwork. There will be a link in the description below as well. Fill out the little form that lets everyone know that we're the ones that sent you, and you get 30 days free of charge to enjoy one of the best, if not the best, music streaming services in the world right now. Once again, getamazonmusic.com slash w2mnetwork, or just follow the link in the description either way. And with all of that out of the way, Let me throw it back to myself, Jason Teasley, Robert Cooper, and Benjamin J. Colon in the year 2014 to discuss the villains of Spider-Man. Past me, take it away.
1: special touch. To the
0: gentlemen, I'm misfortune To the ladies, I'm surprised. But call me
2: by any
0: name,
2: anyway
0: it's all the same. I'm the fly in your suit. I'm the vessel in your shoe. I'm the thief in your bed. I'm the bu- To me. I do it all evil, and I do it
1: all for free. Your all, the pay I'll
0: need. all right ladies and gentlemen I'd like to thank you for joining us here on everyone loves a bad guy However you got here, download Blog Talk, iTunes, Stitcher, various nefarious means. I don't care, you're listening, and I thank you for it. I don't have a show without you. Well, I would, because I don't especially care. I do this because I enjoy it, and evidenced by the fact that I don't get paid for it, by and large. But thank you for joining us here. I appreciate it, whether you're an old fan, a new fan, giving us just a second or third outing. Thanks for being here with us. I do appreciate you guys. This is Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. I am your host, the authority on evil, Mr. Robert Winfrey. And I'd like to also wish everyone a happy Pi Day, because it is 3.14, and I'll take any excuse to eat pie. It's a delicious, particular bit of delicacy, and just any excuse. I'm down for any excuse. But we're not talking about pie tonight. We're talking about bad guys. We're talking about one of the most popular, one of the most uh, iconic uh, comic book characters, and we're tackling his, his rogues gallery, and he's got a good one. You see, when I decided I was going to start taking on comic book characters, I knew some people would get interested. I had people who wanted to be in on the Joker. I had people who wanted in on X-Men. I had a lot of guys, and a lot of ideas, and a lot of different ones that I thought, okay, I'll have people interested in being on for this show. When I said Spider-Man, He's like, everybody I knew went, me, me, pick me. So they're kind of all here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Spider-Man, one of the most popular, and if you listen to Stan Lee when he's lucid, he calls him the greatest comic book hero ever. Yeah, debatable. I'll give you the most relatable, but that's about as far as I personally go Go with that one. But, he like I said, I've got guests, and... First up, I, I got both guys in the cheap seats here, folks, so they're invading. They have left, they have left the cheap seats, and they are now here. But first up, uh, Robert Cooper is back. He was here when we talked about the, uh, the villains of X-Men, and he's back again. More punishment. How are you doing, Coop?
3: Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Now this podcast, we'll have to see, considering how the cheap seats went last night, where it went from a 15-minute rant and then devolved into bad puns, and the stinky
0: Pete. Well, I will mute anyone who mentions stinky Pete. So we'll just go with that. (laughs) Damn it. That's where that goes. Unless we're referencing the hygiene of Peter Parker, we're going to have to leave that. We have to leave stinky Pete at the door here. (laughs) And my other guest at this time, one of the founders of the, the other member of the cheap seats, Jason Teasley is here. How you doing, Jason?
2: Hey, what's up, man? I was actually going to have Stinky Pete sub in for me for tonight while I played God of War.
0: <laughs> no, I will not allow that. Stinky Pete is not okay. Uh,
2: I got it. Stinky Pete. You can you must play God of War while I'm on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, you
0: can replay it so, anyway. God of War has infinite replay value. As soon, as, anytime you feel upset, that's the most cathartic experience.
2: Yeah, I'm pre- I'm liking it pretty well. But I appreciate you having me on, Albert. Hey, I'm yeah, I'm happy
0: for, to have you know guests call ins And you said again when I mentioned Spider Man, you and and Cooper said I want in. And you said I must be here to talk about Carnage. Yes. So
2: the ultimate evil. Eh, oh, real, well, I don't
0: know about I'll, that. I'll give, you, I'll
3: give you the ultimate one dimension. Yeah, see that's. The, the, the we'll have a fun debate with that Because
0: I, I'm, I'm there with Robert We'll get to the symbiotes that, That's on the list And Alright, so let's jump in Let's hit the big one Right off the bat Another one that debatably is one of the worst villains ever And Spider-Man's kind of arch nemesis The man with the glider and the green skin And the psychosis Now, I'm going to say Norman Osborn here Instead of Green Goblin Because Green Goblin has been many people There's been a bunch of different guys that have taken over the mantle, but for my money, Green Goblin was never better than when Norman Osborn was suffering one of his psychotic breaks. So, Coop, I want to start with you. You know, where do you, as far as the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn specifically, where do you rate him as far as just all time? I mean, he's one of the best Spider-Man villains ever. If not the, he's like the quintessential Spider-Man nemesis. But do you rate him all that highly when compared with other guys in the, in the comic I, I book books? I think I
3: do. I do. I never really think about villain rankings. It's just one that, like I can rank metal albums all day. But when you, when you get the superheroes, I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of you know, a little a little bumpy. Like, I th- the Joker is still my favorite, and you know, unfortunately, I would put Green Goblin over Doctor Doom. Sorry, Pat, I'm not a big Fantastic Four <laughs> again. but uh, Green Goblin—I think he is just awesome. He—he he was one of the first villains I've ever seen that used the uh, he used the logic of why don't I follow him and see if where he goes, and that's <laughs> how he found out <laughs> who <which> Spider Man was.
1: <laughs>
3: he Basic just followed one. him home one day. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's what he—that's what he did. That he. That's it. He's the first person to find out who Peter was because he just he's like, huh? I wonder what would I happen if I just followed him around. So he like hit him with some bomb that uh, muted his spider sense and just followed him the whole time. And that's how he found out. That was that is brilliant. You know, I read a ton of sixty Spider Man in eighth grade because I had a teacher who was a total bitch, but she had an awesome comic book collection for to everyone to read. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, yeah. We've all got. Some kind of memories like that. Right. Uh now Jason, I want to go to you for this one. Uh, well, first of all, are you, you know, have you read a lot of the comics, or are you, you know what, what was your introduction kind of to the character? Because my introduction, and for my money, like the best Spider-Man kind of medium for me at least is the '90s Saturday morning cartoon, which is where I got introduced to the character. Yeah, well, we
2: have something in common
0: <laughs> because that's <is> how <laughs> I
2: got introduced to the character through the '90s cartoon. You had that and the X-Men. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got introduced to Spider-Man. I um, started watching it like all oh, kids, Saturday morning cartoons, gotta love them. They went away, sadly. But, yeah, I mean, that was my first introduction to Spider-Man was the 90s cartoon. Got I got hooked on it, so it was like, well, you know, my mom worked at a local uh, grocery store that had a comic book section, so I started regularly picking up Spider-Man. So I started reading it, and catching up, and then... You know, you know how you do when you're kids, uh, you kind of trade
0: comics and stuff and
2: get, get story arcs here and there. So yeah, I mean, it was, that was my introduction.
0: So what was the first major Spider-Man arc that you read? Do you remember or the first, the first yes. one that
2: sticks in your mind? Yes, and we'll be talking about it later, which was Maximum Carnage. Okay, uh,
0: I get some I get some grief because the first one I actually wound up reading, and I'm not a big reader of comic books. um, I do my research for these, and I'm aware of what's going on. I just don't act. I very rarely have the time and finances, or the inclination and whatnot, to physically buy the books and read. But the first one that I read, I kind of picked up on a whim at a grocery store, and I kind of got dropped into the middle of the '90s redux of the Clone Saga. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: which, which universally makes everyone groan.
1: Such
0: <laughs> a headache. Eh? But yeah. <laughs> and so again, the first time I so the first Spider Man that I actually read and saw in print was not Spider Man; it was the Scarlet Spider Man, and I thought his costume was better anyway. I love Scarlet Spider. Yeah. But okay, but that's just, and I mean the fact that they wound up using to, I mean as badly received as the Clone Saga was, when they revealed at the end that haha, it was all. You know, kind of masterminded by Norman Oz, I mean, was that yeah, I'm
3: bringing it back? I
0: mean, was that genius or was that just we need something to kind of save this because everyone hated the Clone Saga? So if we if we kind of cap it off by bringing back the Green Goblin, and revealing that he committed statutory rape, I think, with Gwen Stacy and got her yeah. pregnant, had kids. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: initially he's just kind of a crazy, moral, somewhat morally bankrupt entrepreneurial guy. And it just, the more he shows up, the more of a bastard he turns into.
3: Yeah, the, I think it just sounded like it was them throwing him a bone. Like, you know, uh, I mean, we've all played games, watched, you know, stuff where it was a total fucking disaster. So at the end, they just tried to salvage it by giving them, everybody something they can't boo. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Though, uh, interesting enough, the first Spidey comic I read was... Uh, this identity crisis. It's when he is, couldn't be Spider-Man or something, so he uh, suited up in four different costumes at the same time. Like he, I think one was like the Prodigy, and one was Dusk, and another one was Ricochet, and the fourth one was something but a rocket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: because I, I, I got those as a kid because my dad bought them for me. It was awesome. But, yeah, I guess I've actually forgotten that Norman Osborn was the one that was at the whole uh,
1: the whole end
3: of the Second Clone Wars.
1: Cause, yeah, well, I did most first,
0: people. You, you had the original yeah. Clone Saga that was just kind of there. I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. You had, like, a... Everybody was doing clones about then. Yeah.
3: I was actually going to bring up that guy, too. Because he,
0: cause he, he'll eat me into something else. The Jackal? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Well, the oh, Jackal yeah. was... He was the... You know, and... During the Clone Saga, he was the one that everyone kind of pointed at. He was the one manipulating various spider man and Kane, who was the first clone that was suffering from cellular degeneration. And he had a little buddy, not a real, uh, a little like mini Jackal, I recall, who had the, who was a clone, and they make a big deal out of the fact that their genetic material was just inferior, so they were just slowly degenerating at a cellular level. Yeah, But... Yeah. yeah, he's the
3: one that led the uh, 70s clone saga, and he brought in the Punisher. That's where I was
2: actually going to get it. Yeah. It's, I'll
0: go, well, he brought I'll go in into the that, Punisher. because that was kind of my I first did. exposure to Punisher. I didn't <laughs> know he
2: brought in Punisher. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the fun first
0: fun. first appearance
3: of the Punisher. Uh, he Jackal had convinced Punisher that Spider-Man was a menace. so uh, you No know, doubt helped fight
0: Jonah Jameson who
3: we will get oh, to as well. When I talk about Spider-Man and somebody me he's bad, I have to do J. Jonah Jameson impersonation. But, yeah, he had convinced uh, the Punisher that uh, Spider-Man was a bad guy, so the Punisher tried to kill him, and at the end of it, uh, Spidey convinced him that, you know, Punisher was being manipulated, and I don't think he succeeded in killing
0: the Jackal, but, yeah, that's the first time the Punisher showed him. Ta-da!
2: <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah, they, well... Hmm?
0: That also led to the – I don't know if you – have you guys seen the Twitter exchange between the Punisher and (laughs) Spider-Man? No, I haven't.
2: That sounds awesome, though.
0: Oh, it's – I'm going to try and remember it off the top of my head. Anybody out there who, like, has a link or something, feel free to hit me with it. But it starts off – You know who's going to
2: post, right? You know our super (laughs) fans. You'll post that.
0: Probably, yeah. If I can get my – Properly. There we go. Oh. oh, well, let's see. Here's the first appearance of the Punisher. Thank you, Jesse. Okay. Yeah. No, but here's the – but it starts off with Peter, with Spider-Man putting on Twitter, whoever does the Spider-Man account on Twitter. Man, Doc Ock escaped from prison again. I don't know what I should do. What, what should I do about this? And the Punisher's response is shoot him in the head. <laughs> Spider- no, I, I can't do that. What, what do you mean? I, I can't shoot him in the head. That's not what I – no, no, kill him. That's the only way you're going to solve this problem. I don't kill people. You're morally bankrupt. Yeah, well, my bad guys don't keep coming back either. Just, <laughs> you know, for his, but that was just, yeah, th- and they still have some, you know, ever after, you know, they work together on occasion, but those two still don't like each other. But yeah, Punisher's one who opposed Spider-Man in the beginning, and yes, courtesy of the Jackal, whose real name, going to find out here because it's going to bug me, uh, Dr. Miles, <laughs> who's a geneticist, mind you. <laughs> Who became obsessed with trying to clone Spider-Man, and just, his whole work led to so many problems, just for everyone in general. But okay, we've mentioned him before. I want to I want to get to this guy because as much as he's an antagonist for Spider-Man, there's something about J. Jonah Jameson that is just almost impossible to really dislike. I mean, am I wrong there? Is or is it just you know he hates he dislikes Spider-Man, and every you kind of roll your eyes because he hates the guy so much. But you never really boo Jameson. I mean, at least I never did. I mean, Coop, am I off? Am I the only one here who feels that way?
3: Uh, He's kind of an asshole, but a lovable asshole. He's like that one, like, asshole uncle that shows up at all your, like, family get-togethers, but you still run up and give him a hug because at the end of the day, he's a bit of a grizzly douche. He's still kind of a nice guy, and he's kind of a little bit of a odd mustache charisma. That's how I got to see it. Like, he's a very charismatic character. Like, he's one of those that, uh, like... He's like Ted DiBiase. There we
1: go. Oh, Ted DiBiase?
3: <laughs> yeah, he's like Ted DiBiase. Like, he's been a bad guy for so long, but, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of love him, and you just can't hate him after a while.
1: Well, I, I would say like more of the J. Bobby Gill. Right. Uh,
0: before we get too much further into this, uh, I'd like to bring on now... Uh, Special guest, the guy who actually—if you're listening or you've seen the pictures—we uh, have a nice title card for this. It was donated and to us by the artist who's joining us now live. Uh, Benjamin J. Cologne is here with us. How you doing, Ben?
2: Good evening. Still there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep, we're all here. <laughs> okay, cool. The gang's all here. Yeah. <laughs> Tried calling in on Skype,
4: and it didn't work. So I'm on my phone. I uh, hope everybody can hear me. Okay.
0: And we got you good. I'll let you know if you have connection issues or anything. Sure. All right. Well. You, I know you were planning on calling in earlier, and Skype and blog talk have a very acrimonious relationship. As mm-hmm. evidence, there's a long list of evidence for that. But uh, anything about Norman Osborn or the Green Goblin in general that you wanted to bring up before we move on? Because that's kind of the big one that... Well, one of the two big ones that everyone likes to talk about. Yeah,
4: actually, um, it's funny because the Green Goblin is my favorite Spider-Man villain, but very specifically Harry Osborn,
0: which is Norman's son. Oh, you like um, Little Goblin. Goblin Jr. Yeah,
4: because you, you talk a little bit about like when you got into Spider-Man comics. Well, I got into Spider-Man comics right around the, the very early 90s, and that was when uh, there was this long two, almost three years story arc that dealt with uh, Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin and losing his mind and uh, uh, trying to make uh, Peter Parker's life miserable and it it was uh it it ended up being his redemption story, but it was so well done, it was like it really set the bar really high for what I consider to be like a really quality, uh, you know, superhero comic story.
0: So just very briefly, did that then make you dislike Spider Man three all the more, all the <laughs> that much more because you had James Franco and everyone doing an abbreviated version of that and none of them doing it very well? I would
4: like nothing more than for, you know, for James Franco to die the same death that Gwen Stacy did.
1: Uh,
4: <laughs> God damn.
1: Wow.
4: If
3: you want to go, go ultimate Gwen Stacy, she just got eaten by carnage and turned into, like, your husk and bones. So we can go with
4: that one. It's mm-hmm. all good. It's, as long as James Franco is in pain, I'm fine <laughs> with it. <laughs>
2: I don't even acknowledge Spider Man three. The the third Spider Man to me is the reboot. <laughs>
4: Do I have a second to talk real quick about what 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 really pissed me off about Spider Man three is <laughs> uh,
0: I I'm gonna assume it's Topher Grace's Venom, but go ahead. Not even. It, it's
4: uh I always say like, you know, there there's actually a pretty good movie somewhere in
0: Spider Man three and the fact when that you it's you know the studio hat- Meddling? I mean, I I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, make your point. Sorry. Uh, Just
4: real quick, you know, the the only thing worse than a terrible movie is a movie that's half good and half terrible because you can kind of see where it could have been great and it just failed so hard. Like, I hate that more. So that's what Spider-Man 3 is to me, especially as a Spider-Man fan. That hurt that it came close to being good and it just plummeted off a tall, tall
0: building or a bridge, if you will.
2: But there was okay, no so saving he, it Snake snap, to put it out of its misery.
0: Here's the question, though: Was it the Brooklyn Bridge or the George Washington Bridge?
4: Okay, I, I can I can speak on this because um, I have. Uh, okay, I'll try to make this quick. Um, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm, I'm from New York, by the way, so I know this for a fact. It, it's drawn as the Brooklyn Bridge in the comic. It's referred to in the comic as the George Washington Bridge. I don't know how that got screwed up, seeing as how Marvel is based in New York City, and they could probably see the bridge from their offices, but uh, it, was, it, it was written incorrectly. Visually, it's definitely the Brooklyn Bridge, and I think reprints of the original comic corrected that, but trust me, it's, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. It was drawn as the Brooklyn Bridge, and that's what I always call it.
3: All right. I okay, would say so,
2: royalties uh, is what caused it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so speaking of, since I feel like we didn't talk about Green Goblin much at all, so kind of ashamed oh. of that. Well, well hey, what do you? Gotta, what me- you got
2: to say about him, Coop? Well, I'm like, happy to that. Well, speaking, of,
3: speaking of Gwen Stacy, wads we all? Well, I think we all know he's the one that killed her. You know, spoiler
0: alert. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> that that
3: comic is older than like most really? of. Oh, okay. It's older than probably me and easily
4: combined. No,
3: I came
0: so okay.
4: close to buying that comic one that one time, not too long ago. Ugh.
0: And let's be fair, it's uh, called The Night Gwen Stacy Died. There's no
1: ambiguity <laughs> here. Hmm. And, and, like, and, and thing a... of, there's the whole
3: psychological <laughs> aspect of Peter not no. knowing if she was dead already or the web killed her. Uh, I say Peter Parker killed her because it's much more fun that one.
1: I Peter Parker killed her because that's what physics says. He did. Well, well, I'm what is she was a but he did what arresting if she
0: arresting a sharp fall causes severe trauma. Now, I don't. I I've got a picture. I've got the link. Uh, Jesse Starcher posted a link to him arresting her fall. She's still most yeah. of the way to the ground, and that's a tall bridge. The fa- stopping. A fall when you have that much energy built up is going to stopping it sharply causes all kinds of trauma. Now, whether Spider-Man stops you with a web, or Superman catches you flying the other direction, or you hit the pavement, it hurts and it will so kill you if you fall far enough.
2: Shouldn't he know that? Since he is like a
0: I, that's what kills you about scientific genius. He doesn't know basic physics here. <laughs> I mean, he a, well, he's, well, I mean, he
3: is a Genius, but a panicking. But maybe he was
2: she has just a like better shit.
0: chance of surviving maybe. hitting the water than she does if he it, stops her if she's gone that far. Well,
2: he didn't think about any, that. Like, Grab her like, but because yeah, it like, like yeah, I mean he did, Yeah, I mean, the, why didn't he just dive down after sacrifice himself? The world would be in a better place. Or, or, or mean, maybe just been, mean, like
0: that's just another like shot a web effect. and went under
2: that's her. And oh. again,
0: at, at that point, you're still arresting the fall very quickly, which. Causes the forces to collapse, and it's a huge issue that like every every superhero story ever written doesn't address. How do you stop someone who's fallen through the out Superman. I figured it out.
2: No, I figured it out.
1: If Zach
0: right,
2: Morris can call, call time out, he why can't Spider Man? <laughs> Spider Man should have time out. When Pushed her like out in the deep end of the water. Hey, it would have been all good. Or he could have just got her and carried her to the ground already. Zach Morris could have been Spider-Man's ally.
0: If it was Deadpool, he'd have pulled out a remote and rewound the scene. <laughs>
2: but come on, you hear that or he just
3: commentated the whole time. He's like, oh well, there she goes. Oh well, maybe it's time to stop her. Snap. Oh well, that was an unfortunate death. Oh well, maybe I'll get him next time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Deadpool. All
0: right. Well. I wanted to, okay, Benjamin, since you brought up Harry Osborn as kind of, as his turn as the Green Goblin, how does he suit uh, suit you as a villain? You know, because in addition to being the Green Goblin, Harry has donned other personas and at various times to be a nemesis of Spider-Man. So has he only worked for you as the new Goblin, or has there been another kind of arc or persona that kind of resonated with you?
4: Um... I I like mainly I like the dynamic they played in the comics against uh, you know between Peter Parker and Harry Osborn just because um, you know it's my best friend who has become a supervillain but not just any supervillain because he's the son of you know the man who killed you know my first love and there's there's a lot there's a lot to there's a lot in that that's uh, you know a lot of conflict and. Um, it's, it, it, it makes for great drama, and it did. Um, I'm not sure what, uh, what you're referring to with the different personas, unless you're talking about, like, recently, like American Son, that kind of thing, where they put him in, basically, the Iron Patriot armor. Um, I, you know, might I, misremembered. I might be misremembering. I
0: yeah. might be misremembering, so my apologies.
5: Hmm. Yeah, yeah he from, was the second Green
4: Goblin, and then he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: My apologies, that's I'm misremembering.
4: That's my favorite single issue of, like, any comic Ever of all time was Harry, was the the issue that where Harry Osborn died. By the way, that was like as, as good as it gets for me. Oh, yeah, a well uh, but, done
0: death is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's odd yeah. to
1: say that, but
4: it's because absolutely- he redeems himself in the end. He ends up saving uh, his son's life. He has a son in in the comics. He ends up saving his son's life. He ends up saving, saving uh, Mary Jane Watson, and then ultimately, after almost in the die, he saves Spider Man and then
1: he dies, and his
0: life is... Well, he, he would have just screwed up after that and been evil again, right? I mean,
1: <laughs> that's kind of the
0: impetus behind all of the heroic sacrifices to turn you good is, well, I've done good. Man, if I if I survive this, there's a good chance I'll go back to being evil again. Well, um,
4: it's, uh, it's, it's kind of better off that he died the way he did, but here's the thing about that. In the comics, he's alive again, and... Um, Oh, Thanks a lot. Realized. One more day. Well, that's a direct result of that's one of the, that's that's the other thing that one more day you know screwed up um,
0: in addition and, to everything.
4: Uh, wait, yeah. If we want to talk about Spider-Man villains, you can throw Joe Quesada in there too. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you can, oh, yeah, true. if if you really want to. Um,
0: huh. Spider-Man has but, to be single. How can we fix this?
4: Yeah, magic. <laughs> well,
0: let's throw in the devil.
3: You
0: know, yeah. it would
3: not be like Mary Jane's finally had it up to here with this superhero shenanigans. Fucking devil! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Fucking
4: Casada! You fuck. That's where, that's where that title card came from, by the way. That's the title card that Rage built.
2: I haven't seen the title card. I haven't seen oh yeah, the title if you
0: either. click, if, I don't know if you have a computer uh, readily available, oh. but if you look at the streaming, oh. if you look at the page that we're streaming on, our title card is. Uh, Benjamin's rendering of Spider-Man punching Mephisto in the face.
2: <laughs> I've got about half of it on my, but it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm
0: uh, good. Mephisto. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I'll post a link to the uh, deviant version in the final show. Sure. So you can find that. Oh, that's too. awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, Alright, we've got another call, so I'm going to bring that on real fast here. Area code 732, you're live and we're talking Spider-Man villains. What do you got to say?
3: Hello, everybody. How you doing? So, as long as we're going to throw Joe Cazada in the mix, and right? so,
0: shouldn't we also be throwing J. Michael Straczynski in that mix for introducing the ridiculous spider totem idea and the crappy, crappy, crappy villain Morlin?
3: The hell out of that. I actually like Jay Michael Straczynski's
4: run, though. Like, it did have I lo- some
3: I-, I loved it. You guys really like the idea of the spider totem and him turning into part spider, <laughs> mystic spider that bites the, the throat out of Morlin.
4: I'll defend well, that. Well, I never
3: Oh, well, I never said I was going to defend that. But beyond that, it was fairly good until we got to one more day, which I was like, well, you know, I don't want any more days of this comic go away. He fought <laughs>
4: that. Yeah, I, I think, kind of fought that.
3: I, I, see, here's my thing with Strasinski. I think when he's doing characters steeped in some sort of mythology, like a Thor, a Wonder Woman, a Superman, he's very good. But when he has to take the character that's supposed to relate to the everyman, like a Spider-Man... I think he's absolutely dreadful and doesn't understand what exactly he needs to do to keep this character relevant to the audience. And then he throws in all these odd twists and turns and we get the resulting stuff like one more day out of it. For example,
0: one more day. uh, No, go ahead. Sorry. I don't know if I stepped on your toes. Well, there.
4: One More Day was editorially mandated. Like the, J. Michael Straczynski was not happy with the fact that he his last act as writing writer of Spider-Man was basically to undo the previous seven years that he spent writing it. Um, that's, <laughs> the that's the first thing. The Spider-Man thing, by the way, really quick, that was never confirmed. That was never said for sure whether or not it was true. It was always left implied or it was always left up to you know that it wasn't completely certain and it kind of reinforces that and for at the end of the first Moreland story it basically says he basically says i don't care whether or not you know where my powers came from it doesn't really matter so that's kind of how i look at it you know it 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 basically is make up your own canon at the end of that story so that you know i don't i just accept it.
0: So you imagine he's what par- he's either partially mutated or he goes full zombie and ripping the guy's throat out?
4: That was I think that was much later. That was that was a different story called the other which was also written by committee and you know, was not Whoa. that great.
0: You can't write by committee. It's a bad idea. Yeah. And you can't just write it a if you're
3: just low i to get that in there.
0: That man said know
3: how to ruin the ultimate
0: universe. <laughs> a, uh, yeah. All right. uh Jason kind of informed me that he's, that there's a bit of a clock here, so in deference to him and the fact that he wants to talk about Carnage, here's your here's oh, your no, no go
1: on. No, that's no. no, okay.
0: I mean, we've got to get to the symbiotes eventually, and we're, since we're kind of <laughs> skipping Venom, because Mark yeah, Radlitz yeah. wants to be in on that one. Yeah, the Carnage, said
2: limits tonight
0: now Carnage is I mean there's a bunch of other symbiotes I mean I don't even want to go through all the names because they're some of them are yeah. just kind of amusing but Carnage is kind of the only other one that gets mentioned a lot or or you know has some kind of merit to him so <laughs> uh here's your platform you yeah, and then you can lead and then you know we'll keep going with the flow and whatnot, but I just wanted to make sure you get your chance to kind of espouse why you like Carnage so much. Well,
2: <laughs> the reason why I like Carnage so much is because, I mean, what's there not to be like, like about him? I mean, he is a ginger, so I can relate there. It means he has no soul, just like <laughs> me. I mean, being the ginger kid, and you, you see this in the comic books, you kind of you kind of migrate toward it. So, And then, he's just batshit crazy. I mean, he's a psychopath, serial killer that is just so lovable... <laughs> When the Sibianite bonds to him after the escape of Eddie Brock, that it's just, and it's so heartbreaking when he does the run of Max Carnage, which is absolutely one of the best crossovers that I've read. I mean, that's debatable. Because, I mean, you have so many people. He is just such an indestructible force with everybody that he bands together in just this madness killing spree across New York. That it's just kind of not can't not like him, especially when he's in the church and he's just by himself and just like has that isolation moment. It's just you can understand why he's so fucked up in the head.
5: Well, kind of backstory of the gotta, character. Gotta, gotta
0: like, well, the backstory of the character even prior to being bonded with the Carnage symbiote. You know, there's all of the you know kind of psychopathic triangle, of all. You know, he's got all of the markers and all the precursors and all the things that you need to watch for. I mean, he kills his mother to, by pushing her down the stairs. He tortures and kills a dog. I mean, just all kinds of horrible stuff that he does before he becomes superpower. powerful.
2: Cletus, Cletus's father is the one who killed his mother. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh.
0: I yeah. am misinformed. My apologies. Yes. yes. Um, I will. What is the Coop?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like the mother. Grandmother.
0: Exercise. Sorry. Well, grandmother. He
1: killed his grandmother.
0: Yeah. Which makes it
2: worse. Yeah. Because Cletus's mother tried to kill Cletus, and so his dad ends up killing his mom. And, I mean, it's
0: just such a so clusterfuck family. Some people have no chance. I mean,
1: uh,
0: Benjamin, you're, you're an artist, so I'm kind of curious as to how you feel about the visual design of Carnage. Because for my money, he's like the coolest looking of all the symbiotes. Um-
4: yeah, I actually really like Carnage. I like the look of him. Um I remember getting that first comic and they they teased it on the back of like a few issues pre, pre uh, previous and you know, typical Marvel style they they, you know, they do the hype and full effect and it's like you know, they say on the back of the cover, you know, if if, if uh, you think this, you know, this is a major new Spidey villain and if you think it reminds you of Venom, you ain't seen nothing yet. So, like, that was uh, the, first, the first image of Carnage we see is the cover to the issue that he first appears in. and He basically, like, looks like he's ready to skewer Spider-Man, like, right on the cover. So that just grabs you right away. Um, and he's got, you know, his powers are really freaky. He can control the symbiote. He can practically shapeshift and, um, you know, being a psychotic serial killer, of course, goes off T-1000 and, you know, creates all of these stabbing weapons and knives and axes and maces and weapons of, uh, you know, torture and bloodletting.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like like I said, I mean, it's just how they built him up is, because, I mean, everybody that they paired him with, it's just a, and he, he refers to him as his, quote unquote family because they're just as evil and up in the head as he is there's no redeeming qualities about Cleves cassidy or carney
0: now i completely agree he's i mean you know, i give you a little bit of grief when i say he's one-dimensional because i and some of that yeah, is, is
4: can i throw something in here with that real quick yeah um here's thing um i know uh Mark wanted to talk about Venom Separately um, I won't get into Venom too much But I actually like Carnage a lot more than I like Venom I've or never liked man. I have never liked Venom As much as most people do um, Because I you know, I never liked his backstory um, I always look at it like I actually like Carnage just because He's a lot simpler and he makes No bones about the fact that he's nuts He's a killer He loves being a killer and that's who he is um, I always thought Venom had the most half-assed excuse for being what he was, and I that, I liked that about him. Somebody's mom's calling. Well, it's not mine. She's asleep. You'd know
0: okay. if she would
3: up. She'd come in and tell me shut the fuck up and go to sleep.
0: Uh, that was my phone. Sorry, guys. I'm on Skype, so okay. my phone rings from time to time. It's okay. Live radio. You're, you're the you're
2: the you're the host. You can screw up. Trust me. I do it every <laughs> every Thursday night. I do yes, he
5: does. All
0: right. Uh, we got another caller here. He's been on hold for a while, so I want to get to you. Area code 818. You're live, and we're talking Spider-Man villains. What do you got for us?
5: Hello, Robert. This is 411 Mania's Jeffrey Harris. How's everyone doing tonight? Pretty good. Dandy. How you doing, Jeff? Is someone okay? It sounds like someone was losing their breath or having a heart attack. I'm <laughs> good. I'm good. <laughs> All of those are possible. It might have been me. Is everyone okay? Yeah, yeah I, I was so. okay. Yeah, uh, okay, Robert, I love this uh, run of uh, Comic Rogue uh, shows you've been doing. Um, uh, and uh, you know, big fan of the Spider-Man rogues. I think just wanted to chime in. My favorite Spider-Man rogue, and I think one of the most underrated rogues of all time, is Kraven the Hunter. You know, one of the classic. Uh, I would say uh, original Spider-Man. You know, he was created uh, in in uh, the 1960s, so he's been around uh, for a long time. He was created by Stanley and uh, Steve Ditko. So this is like one of the original Spider-Man rogues. And one of my favorite stories uh, ever was uh, The Last Hunt in the 1980s, because this was a story where, for all intents and purposes, Craven beats Spider-Man. This is before Dr. O- you know, Dr. Octopus had to basically let Peter Parker mind swap with him in order to beat him. But Craven did it himself in the 1980s, and um, he beat Spider-Man. He buried him alive, and he assumed uh, Spider-Man's... Uh, Identity, the Spider Man identity, not Peter Parker, um, and and he was like, well, I've 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 hunted the most dangerous game, that's it, and he killed himself. Spider Man lived, he he lived to fight another day, but he was beaten by this guy, and I and I thought, how amazing is that? And uh, uh, I I don't know if we could ever see him in like a Spider Man movie, but since they're doing Sinister Six, I think that might be a good way to introduce him. But I think you you might. I don't, know, I don't know how you... I think you would have to change him, but he's just, a, he's just a really competent hunter. And to him, Spider-Man is the most dangerous game. And this was a character that predated things like, you know, uh, the the Predator movie. It's kind of almost like... Um, what was that, that that old classic 1930s movie, The Most Dangerous Game, where Man is the Most Dangerous Game? Well... In the Marvel Universe, it's it's the superhero. So I really think that's an, that's an interesting angle. And uh, so i was wondering what you guys thought of that. Uh,
2: well, hold, hey, a hey, Pete, Hold on, I got a question. Um, how about how Doctor Octopus beat Spider Man in like Spider Man number three? That was like twenty years before Kraven did it, wasn't it? I'm not counting that. Well, that, that <laughs> why not? Stinky uh, Pete said it was okay. Stinky Pete. Hey, don't hey. Don't,
0: don't go off. <laughs> I have power here. I will drop you guys.
5: <laughs> I didn't do it. Look, I love I love Doctor Octopus too. So I mean, you know, I I just wanted to I just wanted to express my man love for Craven the Hunter. Right,
0: thanks for calling in, Jeff. It
5: is. I was actually going to mention that story. It's it's probably my favorite uh, Spider Man
3: story because when I think of Spider Man, I think of him like definitely than I would. Batman. Batman, I always think of like you know, always think of like ten stories right off the top of my head. Spider-Man actually has some trouble doing that. I kind of think of just like moments, but I never really think of storylines. That's one of the ones that I actually go to, and I'm like, I can I point at that and like, that's the best one, right there, because it really was showing a character like Craven, who was a solid character. You know, he wasn't anything too too evil. Yeah, but, I don't you know, I don't look
2: at Craven as a as a main villain in Spider-Man. I think he's I think he's like one of the B-level villains honestly. I mean, yeah, he was a great hunter, but I mean, compared to the likes of Doc Ock and all the Yeah, but but, it, it was, but
3: but with that story they took what it was a B-level villain, more of a minor villain and made him incredibly memorable and just gave us a great story and a great character study
0: on the character. Well, and then we got his son for the Clone Saga. <laughs> that oh, also started, oh, I'm going to keep bringing that up but <laughs> I didn't even know that <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh Ben, you've been quiet for a while. What's your take on Craven and uh <laughs> Coop kind of brought up Craven's last hunt, which one of the better sto- uh Spider-Man story arcs. Okay. Um I don't, how many,
4: I don't know how many I don't know how many people know this, but this might I don't know how, how you feel about this, but would you guys believe that Craven's Last Hunt actually originally, like in its infancy, began as a Batman Joker story. Really? The I see it. It, it did. <laughs> see it did. That is
1: awesome.
4: J.M. Demetrius is, is the writer. He also wrote The Death of Harry Osborne and that whole thing. He's one of my favorite Spider-Man writers, by the way. I, I love Craven's Last Hunt to death. Um, it's one of the few times, because th- this was right in the middle of, you know, grim, dark, grim, and gritty, mid, you know... 80s when, you know, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and uh, Swamp Thing and and, uh, a lot of the Dark 80s stuff was really coming into its own, and this was before the 90s hit and all that stuff became crap. This was, you know, when people were still telling dark stories that were good. Craven's Last Hunt was one of those, and it was one of the, it's probably one of the few Spider-Man stories that was... As dark as it was, but still worked. Like I, I, there's not a whole lot of dark Spider-Man stories that, you know, that feel right. Cause Spider-Man is generally a pretty lighthearted, adventurous, you know, type of character. Um, this was done well because it was it was really breaking down these characters and these parallels between you know Spider-Man's fear of death and craven's fear of like failure um really heady stuff that you know it was was executed really well the artwork was awesome the cover the image of you know spider-man you know uh uh, digging himself out of his own grave is like one of the coolest things ever but yeah just i yeah i love i I love the story to death yeah
3: that's it was a just a great story and i think the problem with the 90s in general was a lot of it was dark for the Sega dark. dark. Exactly. Like they didn't like they didn't try to at least give a reason. At least with a lot of the 80s stuff that was dark, you know, there was still some that was a little unnecessarily so. For the most part, they gave reason and really made it worthwhile when it came to you know making some dark stories. But I guess if we're going to talk about one Russian guy, I guess we should talk about the other Russian guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the the one from the very first Spider-Man issue, mm-hmm. Chameleon. In, In Chameleon, Spider-Man number one. Yeah, were they brothers? I'm pretty sure they were brothers. I, I don't, don't know.
0: I will look up. I'll do some research. See if I can find out. Yeah,
3: because I was pretty sure they were brothers. But Chameleon was Chameleon was never like too special a character. Half They're brother. always half. They're like. half brothers. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> They're related somewhat. Yeah, always. Always thought Chameleon was kind of cool. I think he he was really given a lot more to than anything. There, was always like a few cool plots with him and his damn photo belt that can make it to where he can
2: turn into people he takes a picture of. Oh
0: man! Yeah, 90s oh,
2: technology. Oh, nice. Hey, so fun. I love the 90s.
3: <laughs> oh, you! I love the 90s too. You know, the good old days when I could play Pokemon
2: and crap my pants.
0: Well, hey, if you're going to bring up the other, well, the other the Russian, Russian that worthy of discussion is the Rhino. He's- is he Russian? I thought
2: he he was, I didn't think he, he was Russian. No. no, I
0: thought he was. a Stanley damn New Yorker. I believe he's Russian. I'm gonna double
2: check he's, myself he's a, here, but in,
1: he's Russian in the new
2: movie. Yeah. I was not thinking that he was Russian. I just thought he was a um, uh, mid-level hitman. Oh, well, yeah, some, yes,
4: he was. He was
2: Russian. There was some
4: retconning that occurred with that, like somewhere along the line. I'm not sure exactly where, but there. They uh, originally, a yeah, of times. I
0: got it right here. I got it here in front of you. Originally, he's. A uh, poor Russian immigrant who becomes a thug and uses uh, Anglic- an anglicized name. But originally, yeah, he's a Russian immigrant.
2: I'll, I'll, I'm learning this so much stuff tonight. Yeah, see, I uh, forgot.
3: I, I, uh, I was thinking of the uh, cartoon one, something like that. But my favorite Rhino story. Have you ever heard of Flowers for Rhino? I've heard of it. <laughs> I, it?
4: To, I really need to read it.
3: Yeah, I, I picked it up from my formerly local comic shop years ago. Uh, but it's a two-part story. It's it's pretty much taking flowers for Al, Al- dies, <laughs> Except, if, if you don't mind me spoiling, he gets bored. And instead of killing himself, he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to rip this shit out.
1: <laughs> so he, he
3: he gets bored of being smart, so he just goes back to being dumb. <laughs> oh, Rhino. <laughs> uh, it, was, <laughs> it was such a great story. Yeah, Rhino is another one of those, uh, like, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going I'm really worried about that in the upcoming movie.
2: Somebody well, can, I, can I go go ahead and spoil something for you? Go for
0: it.
2: He's only in the movie four minutes. Fuck
0: me. No, well, you're not. They can only afford know. to pay Paul Giamatti for four minutes of act of film time.
2: Well, That's they said, because I get bored at work a lot, so I watch uh, seven web yes, you on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, I know. If if, if 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 Sean Comer's not online, I get really bored. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, no, nah, but they said that basically the opening scene where, you know, you see Paul Giamatti and everything, and he dons the suit after he's defeated, He's that's it. And he kind of gets put up, and it's basically just a gloss-over introduction for when they do the Sinister Six. It kind of
1: reminds
3: me of uh, in the Ultimate Spider-Man video game, where you just defeat, I think it's like
5: oh, Electro
3: and the Beetle. There's like two or three
4: villains that just show up randomly and just kick their ass every time. <laughs> <It's> pretty easy. <laughs> I really need to play Ultimate Spider-Man again. I haven't played that in years. Yeah, oh, I was. It. It's so easy though. It's I think
1: really, the least it's a lot Spider-Man
2: of-
0: That's where ever played, was the team up with. Uh, Old Super Nintendo, a team up with Venom and Spider Man.
2: Oh, Maximum Carnage! Carnage. Oh, I, no, yeah. uh, yeah, was... I didn't I, uh, I was like, I know, I know, Maximum Carnage was on Super Nintendo cause Jesse, even Jesse, posted the game cartridge, which looked awesome. It
0: was red. It was red.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was
0: special. I know. Everyone was easily. People were easier to entertain back then. <laughs> I assume. Sure. Which is not a knock. I still enjoy some of those games. Hey, I still play Street Fighter. On
2: my girlfriend's, on my girlfriend's Super Nintendo, me and her still play Street Fighter Two.
0: A well done game, game, man. It It stands up. She will actually, I actually have the
4: uh, original uh, Spider-Man game for the Sega Genesis. I I love that game. I I can't. I think I've only beat it once by cheating with an emulator, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because Kingpin's a lot boss, floss, and he's a pain in the ass to
1: beat. He's fat. <laughs> okay, right. hang
4: on. Brought
0: up is, ben, is, that, let's, is that
4: a good let's, segue? Let's talk We're him. talking about the yeah, Kingpin? great
0: segue. We Cool. Can, seamlessly, from topic to topic here, folks. But okay, let's, yeah. let's kind of bring up Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin of all crime. He's a... Uh, I mean, everybody, it seems, tries to take him down at one point, if you're a street-level, day-to-day kind of superhero. Now, I mean, Iron Man or... Thor, you know the big names who deal with saving the Daredevil. world. They don't deal with it too much, but you get Daredevil or Superman or the Punisher. Kingpin is kind of the guy that they all wind up trying to take down at some point. So, uh, since you kind of brought him up here, Ben, I'm just you know, what, what do you look, what do you think about Kingpin? What do you like about
4: him? Um, I like. Uh... Basically, he, he grew into a role that was, uh, you know, set up in, in earlier Spider-Man comics. Spider-Man comics have always been, you know, uh, deal a lot with, you know, street crime and organized crime and stuff like that. But And there had always been, like, you know, this crime boss and that crime boss in the early comics. You got, you know, the big man and the uh, crime master and, you know, lower level guys like that. Kingpin was, like, the first big time, you know, mob boss that, you know, that, that the part that acted the part and he was menacing but he was also clever and you know he he you know he was the guy you know pulling the strings behind the scenes he you know he could fight when he had to but uh for the most part you know he knew you know he was smart enough and rich enough and powerful enough to have a lot of goons doing his dirty work until you know until he had no choice but to but to fight and, um, you know, not too many people uh, realize, like, he started out as a Spider-Man villain um, because he very quickly, you know, in the 80s, Frank Miller grabbed him and basically adopted him as a Daredevil villain, and kind of the rest is history. And he had, those were great stories, too. But his roots are were as a Spider-Man villain, you know, in the 60s. And it's also John Romita's favorite villain. John is one of my favorite artists. Um who created, you know, designed the Kington with, with Stan Lee, and he uh, took
0: the opportunity to include him in as many stories as he could. Sorry, Coop, i got to cut you off for just a second. Jason's informed me that it's yeah, uh, time for him to yeah. bow out. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, any yeah, last uh, words
2: you want? Uh, no, I'll leave everything uh, for Coop to cover. Plug-wise, uh, me and Stinky Pete wish y'all the best finish on the show. We're going to go back. <laughs> I get to play Kingdom Hearts, so the girlfriend's coming up, making me play Kingdom Hearts because it's her favorite game, and she bought, she's going to steal my PS3 tonight because I bought it for her, so. Uh, right, that's, that's,
3: Hey,
2: <laughs> booty talk, okay? <laughs> booty talk. Booty or duty?
1: Booty. Both.
2: Booty. <laughs> Why not both? Hey, hey I am going to give you the best words of advice you'll ever have in your life, Cooper. Yes, dear, is the two of most important words in a relationship, mm-hmm. Rege- regardless. Well, I, but, guys, I appreciate well, I you guys. Uh, no, th- yes,
0: dear, You, you guys having to repeat, on. I do.
2: Exactly. Smile, <laughs> nod, and say, yes, dear. No matter what they say, yes, dear. Uh,
0: but I appreciate right. you guys having
2: me on. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and bow out, let you guys finish up. I'll download everything later. I'm pretty sure that with Benjamin on and Coupon, you guys got it covered, so. Uh, like I said, I'll catch up when I download it. All
0: right, Jason, thanks for calling in. All right, thanks, guys. Cool. All right, so, Coop, I stepped on your toes there. Uh, so, oh. anyway, what you were saying about uh, the kingpin, so.
3: Oh, I, was, I mentioned that he's a fat guy. <coughs> but I also enjoy the fact that, granted, he's a fat guy, but at the same time,
0: apparently that's all muscle. <laughs> it is. Like a dude. He looks overweight, but it's solid muscle. Is the storyline there?
3: Yeah, which is funny because the way he's drawn, I'm like, no, that, there's no way that body can be all muscle. Well,
1: he's <laughs> but, not the blob. Still,
3: yeah, he didn't eat anybody. Uh, still gives me the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, the, <laughs> with uh, with with the kingpin, that's something I always enjoyed with him. Like you know, Spider-Man can try to bounce around him like a pinball, but more more often than not, he just bear hugs him. <laughs> It's an effective... It is. It is, unless it's modern wrestling when it's just a uh, rest hold.
0: Hey, a bear hug beat Hulk Hogan. Brock Lesnar did it with a bear hug.
3: Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Boy, and and he smeared his blood
0: on him. He did that, that, that too. Metal. <laughs> if the chin lock could finish matches, ran champion. Let's yeah. not... Let, let's not... <laughs> let's not get into my hatred for Randy Orton, because we'll be here for... Um, we'll Randy be
3: here all night. King, King Finn, he's awesome, though. I'd forgotten that he was originally a... Uh, Spider-Man villain first, because you know a lot of his prominent stories are with Daredevil, and he was in that movie. Where right? Or had to my mom that no,
0: he was not. he was. Like, you know, no, he was. <laughs> no, he was drawn white, but it didn't matter. And big ups to Michael Clark Duncan, the late Michael Clark oh, Duncan. Oh, he was awesome. One of the, I mean, that movie is so kind of hit and miss. When Ben Affleck is not on the screen or Jennifer Garner is not on the screen, the movie's gold.
3: Right? <laughs> so unless it's the director's cut.
0: <laughs> And even then, it's marginally better. But yeah, he was awesome as Kingpin. Oh, I remember
3: that. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he's. I remember I saw that movie. Uh, granted, you I was like twelve. So but yeah, I was like twelve, and it was the two fifty theaters. It's great. <laughs> yeah, he, right. he was pretty cool. He was actually. I, I always remembered him for the '90s show because he was a huge part of that show. Him and Smythe, the guy with the with the wheelchair, and all the Spider Slayers. The Spider Slayers were so cool. Especially ones well, like one got destroyed. They built like three of them, and then they became a giant
0: one. I remember that you had like the you had like a small spider, and then a bigger spider, and then a large one, and they all stacked on top of each other.
3: And then when that
0: failed, he turned uh,
3: Smize into like some sort of mutant Spider Slayer. But Jesus, this guy's more obsessed with killing Spider Man than J. Jonah James. Hey,
0: wasn't didn't uh, Triple J use the Spider Slayers once he became mayor? Oh, I don't remember.
4: I don't, I
0: forgot he became something
4: man. like there's there's a story arc in the Superior Spider-Man that kind of deals with that not not exactly it's more like Smythe is trying to break out of jail and at the same time like blackmail Jameson into into uh, allowing it um, I, I I haven't read that that particular story it, it wasn't that long ago but I haven't read it in, in a little while uh, or something like that it's pre- it was pretty recent it's from like last year. Uh, okay, yeah, I haven't
3: read a new comic since twenty. I was like, oh, he's said superior, superior Spider-Man. I'm like, I don't remember that one.
4: <laughs> yeah, J. Jonah Jameson is mayor of New York right now in the Marvel Universe,
3: which oh,
0: is kind Lord, of amazing. That I'm That's fine wonderful. with it. Yeah, me too. Must, that must hey, look, to I it. for as much as I liked uh, Jameson in the comics and everything, I absolutely fell in love with the character when I got to see J.K. Simmons do him in the film. He was I don't perfect. believe...
4: I don't believe that that was J.K. Simmons. I think they found the real Jameson and just got him to play himself.
0: <laughs> that was, you know, that was also kind of my awakening, my realization moment, when I realized, hey, J.K. Simmons is an awesome actor. Because yeah. my exposure to him prior to that was as Vern Schillinger, the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood in the prison drama. Nah, M- and he goes from Schillinger to... Jameis seamlessly, and they're such radically different characters.
3: Jameis is such a troll in those movies. <laughs> that kind my, yeah, my favorite meme from the internet was, uh, <laughs> it's like, hey, Parker, you know what my favorite type of rice is? And Peter's like, what? He goes, Uncle
0: Ben's. Ah. And, yeah, they had that picture of him with the laughing face.
3: <laughs> yeah. I remember that meme. Yeah. Oh, it's
4: one of my favorites because oh my god! My favorite James moment in that in in that movie it's uh I think Spider Man Two um it's it's the joke that like you have to be a Marvel fan to get and that's when they're trying to name Doctor Octopus and they're like you know uh, what are you gonna call him And, and you know. Uh, Sam Raimi's brother is like, you know, Doctor strange. He's like, that's pretty good, but it's taken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: true. He, When they're sitting there, a guy named Otto, and I do a horrible impression of a guy named Otto Octavius got, winds up with four extra arms attached to him. What are the odds? What are we going to call this guy? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Octopus. Does,
0: uh, yeah. to that, too? He's like, uh, he lo- he, he like, Doc Ock, I love it. I love it. Then he looks at one of his interns and it says, like, go patent that or <laughs> Go so patent, patent it So that he gets royalties when someone else refers to them as Dr. Octopus.
1: On a quarter you know, every time says it.
0: <laughs> but that, that leads us into Doc Ock, the current uh, superior Spider-Man, which for those of you who don't mm-hmm. know, uh, Dr. Octopus has sw- was able to swap his mind with Peter Parker and now you have Doc Ock's mind and personality in Peter's body, which has led us into the... Kind of the current ongoing, I believe. So, you know, let's kind of talk about Doc Ock for a while, because I never felt he, until... Again, I was never the biggest fan of the guy, but until you had Alfred Molina show up in Spider-Man 2 and be one of the best parts of that movie, despite it being a very good movie, his portrayal of of Otto is one of the highlights. So that's kind of where my personal, like, oh, that... That's actually an interesting character comes from. I must have missed his origin story when I was watching the television show. So, I'm just curious, you know. Uh, so, you know, let's go with Ock, let's go with Doc Ock for a while. He's an interesting character. So, Cooper, where do you go with Doc Ock? He tried to marry Aunt May once. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. I think you that away dad is the found it marrying Aunt May. Like Peter and Jameson are technically related. Oh Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> Poor Aunt May. if
3: she's not if she's not dead, somebody's trying to marry. And May married, <laughs>
0: actually married Jameson's father. That's what I thought. <laughs> I oh, that's Peter? creepy. Peter and Jameson are like second cousins. Yeah.
4: Oh, step cousins. Oh, <laughs>
0: and the first and
4: the first thing Peter does during the wedding, which, you know, Jameson performs the ceremony, is Peter asks him for 50 bucks if they're related now, which was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: that's awesome. <laughs>
4: That's so Peter Parker. I love it to
1: death. It's the best thing.
3: Oh, oh, let's see. Oh, I didn't know he almost beat Black Cat to death. That's great. Yeah. But it's it's actually funny. Apparently, Spider-Man almost beat him to death. And then he got arachnophobia. For a time? Yeah, he had arachnophobia for a time. And then apparently he died by saving Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, it's it's actually funny. Looking at his uh, wiki page, I... I, I would have thought he would have been a few more, uh, you know, quote-unquote important story arcs. But then again, like I said, I really, Spider-Man's one of those heroes. I feel like he's more episodic than a lot of other ones. So a lot of his good stories are just kind of contained within a few issues. I mean, he's a very important part of the Sinister Six. I'm pretty sure wouldn't he like the
4: whole, like, uh,
1: guy that got everybody that together.
4: Never? Yeah, he's a founding member.
1: Okay. So I'm
4: not mistaken. I yeah, I Doc so. Ock was... Yeah, Doc Ock was kind of the mastermind that kind of brought everybody together. He formed the Sinister Six, which is also like a great comic to to read as the first Sinister Six story. For the art alone, it's deco at his best in the 60s. Yeah,
3: that was um, it was Mysterio, Vulture, Electro, Doc Ock, Craven and the Sandman.
0: That's right. That's a solid lineup. Yeah, it's
3: pretty pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Doc, uh, Doc Ock, he was pretty cool, and it was great to see him in, in the movie as well. He's pretty much, like, I would say, like, the second big villain. Like, that's the guy. He's the guy after Green Goblin most people would recognize. So that Green Especially Goblin now. costume in that first movie. Yeah. I was about to make a joke about the Green Goblin costume from the first movie and how it looked like it came out of something I should be watching on television.
1: <laughs> <laughs> those, of you know, those
0: of you who don't know, Coop does a Japanese... The folks uh, centric uh, Sentai Rider Rider podcaster on the Rattles and Broadcasting it's, Network. So that's where it's coming from. It's, it's Japanese
3: Power Rangers. Literally, literally, that's what it is, and it did look like armor from like one of those shows. It's like, hey, like yeah, exact Power Ranger. You know, it's funny, still a weird ass costume. But then again, I guess it's not as weird as how the classic look would, the classic uh, look would look on a big screen. It would look interesting, but that does remind me. I just remembered. Did you ever hear... I'm sure you all heard about the hoax in the 90s about the uh, James Cameron Spider-Man movie.
0: Yeah. I vaguely recall that. I just I, I I remember, remember it well.
3: That. It's like an old issue of Wizard. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That is like the best hoax I've ever seen.
4: It wasn't entirely oh. a hoax. James Cameron at one point was going to make a Spider-Man movie. Um. Um, it wasn't the one in the fake, you know, poster that they put in with it, although I remember that one, too, and that was hilarious. Um, it wasn't it, it wasn't exactly like that, but he was definitely going to make one. Um, at one point, it's just the rights to the movie rights of Spider-Man were so all over the place in the 90s that, uh, you know, it, it just ended up never happening. Damn, they could never get the damn movie rights correct in the 90s until we got to the end. It was like, yeah, let's do an
3: X-Men. Yeah, back to, back to the to at least to the movies, like, the Doctor Octopus portrayal was really, really well done. They really he added a human element to him. Like he was, he was already a character that was had some humanity to him, but I don't think they ever really looked at it in a way that Sam Raimi and his writers did. With you know him being a, pr- a pretty nice guy overall, that like the little arms have their own little minds in their own, and they get into his brain. Well, that was
0: an interesting part about that movie in general for me was you know. I do this podcast. I love villains. I tend to dissect them, and that's where a lot of my enjoyment of films tends to come from. So, looking at you know Alfred Molina's portrayal, he was very understated. He was very almost flat at times, and I don't mean that in necessarily that the man can't act. I mean he was performing very kind of flat at a flat pace, deliberately. And it was the original. subdued,
2: maybe.
0: The, yeah, yeah, subdued. And the arms each had their own kind of individual personality. They were the things that were more menacing than he was. And part of that might be because there was just so much CGI and digital, and, you know, digitization that went on in that film. But, you know, again, Doc Ock was never a character that really appealed a whole lot to me. And, but when Alfred Molina was up there, and the way they approached it, it all of a sudden became something that was interesting to me. And maybe that was, you know, me just finally having the aha moment. But... Yeah, a big part of why Spider-Man Two is so successful and so well received and well thought of has to do with you know the villain and the villain being being up to snuff. I mean that one of my issues with the first one was like you know the costume for the Green Goblin and you know, William Defoe a fine actor. He just wound up a bit too far overboard in some cases. I felt with Norman <laughs> Osborn,
3: but yeah, a little too much scenery chewing,
0: which is not necessarily the. No. I
3: feel bad for the first two Spider Man movies because that third one really ruined that entire like trilogy for so many people. Like, yeah, those movies weren't even any good. I'm like, dude, one was pretty good, two was great. Like that third one, man, it's that sucks so much. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't the worst movie ever, but it's probably one of the most disappointing movies because I was really looking forward to that.
5: And then when I
3: saw it, I was like,
1: that it was also like the movie where, Yeah.
4: <laughs> That was also I the movie I where Kirsten Dunst stop caring, which hurt it a lot. Just yes, i us say it. Didn't. Yeah, in addition to she, her
0: she being there. Yeah, well,
4: <laughs> so, so what? She's not that good of an actress.
0: <laughs> nah, she's not awful. I didn't mind her in the first two, and the third one, she was intolerable, Yeah, she um, was They also anything. they also wrote her so poorly in that one. Well, yeah, need to call calling Mark for
3: this one just so he can, uh, just just so he can go back on that rant about how she's a perpetual child in those movies. Uh, that was such a good pot.
1: Such a good
3: <laughs> podcast. Though, uh, yeah, that actually was. Those were very good, and it made me open my eyes to that fact. But uh, when I'm thinking about og I just want to go go and reference something when we were talking about video games. I don't know if you ever played the late the uh, late '90s uh, PS1 N64 Spider-Man game. Yes, ever
1: played
3: that one. I
1: love yeah, it. Yeah, actually,
3: I borrowed I borrowed it from a friend of mine on N64, and he's never gotten it back. Oh well, <laughs> I haven't talked to the guy since. So. Well, that just I just up happening with people. Well, yeah, I just end up borrowing things from people, and then they just, like, we never talk. We just stop talking, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give it to them. Yeah, that game was awesome, but actually the final boss in that game, it's like 15 years old, so nobody should care. It's a mixture of
4: uh, Doc Ock and Carnage, and, and it is very terrifying. But the bitch, it is a bitch of a final boss, because you have to outrun him. Yeah, <laughs> it's there's you bad. can't fight him at all. You just have to run, and you have to, like, quick, you know, web swing all through some, like, corridors. It's... It's one of the coolest, bo- like, final bosses I've ever played. Yeah, it was. I
3: mean, it, was it was cool. And that, that whole game was cool. But the N64 version suffered from the fact it didn't have cutscenes. It no. did? I didn't yeah, know I, that. No, nah, I played depressing. the C S one version, so, yeah. Yeah, the N64 oh. one was just comic panels because it didn't have enough... Uh, power and memory to get the uh, whole cutscenes in there. Really? Like, I love Venom in that game. I Call him Spiderwood.
1: Mm. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, those uh, those games are great. I never played the second one. Hell, I didn't even know who Electro was at that time because I'd only watched the cartoon and he was never in the cartoon for some reason.
0: No, we got more Shocker than Electro as far as that went. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Electro was in that animated series.
4: They went so far off the rails with, his, with you know, how they brought him into that animated series. Like, I... It's this is blasphemy for some people, but I never really liked the '90s Spider-Man animated series, but that was one of the
2: reasons
0: why. Okay, I explain the difference. You know, Electro's going to be the big bad guy in the next Spider-Man movie, right? And, and Jamie Foxx doing an impression of the Emperor, right? Apparently,
4: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to go on, off on Doc Ock, but I'll, I'll talk about Electro first, real quick. Right. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing, um, Electro is, there's not much to him in the comics, so I don't begrudge the movie, like, trying to make him a more grand villain than he is, because he wasn't that grand of a villain in the comics. A lot of Spider-Man villains tend to be, like, you know, goons or, uh, you know, just thugs that happen onto Superpowers, Electro's one of them, um, but... If I, if memory, sir, like in the animated series, it was this whole thing with like, you know, this uh, dealing with something, whatever their equivalent of like the Third Reich was, and, and, and he was some, you know, prophesized or some, you know, secret weapon that, you know, that, that the Nazis were going to use to bring about, you know, a new Third Reich. Like somebody, somebody who remembers that episode can correct me, but it was something like that. There was this huge story arc where, you know, and it turned out that Electro was was the villain at the end, and he was German for some reason, and I'm like, um, yeah, you lost me.
0: Okay, uh, I've got the Wikipedia entry on it here, so I'm going to kind of go from this. Uh, Electro was, uh, he didn't, originally he didn't appear because James Cameron's Spider-Man movie featured Sandman and Electro, which is also why Sandman isn't in that particular cartoon. You have Hydro-Man. I mean, characters exactly. character is basically, but... Uh, in, in this, yeah, you're, he was a... Yeah, you're right. I'm just reading this entry and it's making like, no,
5: no, no. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's, it's stupid. He's like a Russian who is masquerading as a German police officer who was experimented on by the Nazis. And, just, you know, there's only so much credulity you can stretch even in comic book lore, people. I and, never. okay, Pat Mullen has insisted I bring up the fact that Electro enjoys receiving anal. Which he has discussed in the comics. Oh. <laughs> but, comics was he re- sorry, what was that? What comics were he re- was he reading? I don't know. He's
4: fanfic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Possibly, I'm just saying. Apparently he brought it up during one of his prison stays and I don't know. Which would explain more why they cast Jamie Foxx, but
4: Did Garth Dennis write that
0: dead comic? <laughs> I
4: love Garth I love Garth Dennis. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like something he would
3: write? Like <laughs> it really does. Like I read yeah. the first two pre I bought the first two creature comics, read it in a day gave it to my friend and he couldn't stop laughing the whole time.
0: Yeah.
1: So okay, good. apparently,
0: uh according to Pat, who is my source on this one, it says an issue of Amazing Spider Man. He explains how in jail he found out things about himself that he likes and that he didn't know. <laughs> so I'm a,
1: there was
0: so you know now we've got now we're tag teaming Spider Man with Oz, because he was sharing a cell without a BC and Schillinger, I
1: guess.
4: I don't know. Dude, I'm, I'm going to a convention next weekend. I'm going to find those issues. <laughs> please <laughs> please do. Uh.
1: Yeah, by all means.
0: Uh, but apparently that also explains some of the costume. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's don't want what good. other people are telling me here as far as that one goes. All right, but you're right. Uh, we didn't get a chance to kind of talk about Doc Ock, Ben, so... What do you got to say about the eight appended?
4: Um, real quick about the movie, um, that was
0: I I, I enjoyed
4: the hell out of Spider-Man two. First of all, um, Doc Ock is really different in the movie than he is in the comics, so he's a little bit different than what I was used to, and even in most interpretations of him, you know, on TV and stuff. You know, he's much, much more sympathetic in the movie than he ever was in anything else. Like, in, especially in the comics, for the most part, Doc Ock is a bastard. Like, he is the archetypical, you know, mad scientist, you know, obsessed with destroying the, you know, the hero. Um, But that's kind of what makes him a good villain. And, you know, recently, like, you know, his stock went up, you know, considerably the past couple of years because he pretty much succeeded where everybody else failed because technically he killed Spider-Man and now he's running around in his body. Uh, So they're they're doing a lot of, they're doing a lot of really interesting things with Doc Ock right now. Um, It doesn't sit right with everybody, but I still maintain, like I I love Superior Spider-Man because I still maintain that Doc Ock is still the villain in that story. And it's basically just, you know, the story from the villain's point of view. And it's, it's, it's all about, you know, you know, Doc Ock, his personality in, in Peter Parker's body and him giving his interpretation. It's the villain's interpretation of what being a hero is about. He just gets it so wrong. It's really
0: interesting. Well, so, yeah, I enjoy stories told from the villain's point of view. I mean, surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> given what, <laughs> given the nature of my podcast and everything, but I, I'm gonna have to catch up on Superior Spider-Man see, you know, kind of get it, get my teeth into it, and see, because I've, I'm with you guys. I've heard kind of conflicting things, and that some people are not necessarily on board, but there are also people who just really hate change. And how dare you do anything different? Kind type of mentality. Well. It's
4: already been established that Peter Parker is coming back this year, which everybody predicted because it was everybody. Nobody, you know, nobody that knows anything about Marvel knows that you know really.
1: Going
4: stay well. No, yeah, nobody really thought that Peter was going to stay dead. Um, so everybody was kind of predicting You know, yeah, when the second movie comes out, that that's when he'll come back, and you know, lo and behold, the second movie is about to come out, and he's coming back. So. Uh, but it's you yeah. know, if the story if the story that brings them back is good, I'm okay with it. It's no problem.
1: It,
0: it, it's, it's, can't can't she, everybody comes back from the dead, it's how you do it. Well, Except Gwen Stacy. And Uncle oh, yeah, Ben. Well Gwen yeah, Stacy was cloned. Didn't uh didn't Doctor Warren had a had a have a clone of her?
4: Yes, and she disappeared without a trace in the clone saga, never to be mentioned or and she just kinda <laughs> walked off and was never
0: seen again.
1: That's like <laughs> true.
0: But, yeah, so, I mean, apparently, like, Uncle Ben is the only one who never will, will get to come back. He,
3: he, I mean, yeah, I've, so. I've not, seen him, not seen him come back yet. Like, Bucky, Bucky's alive. You know, Bucky,
1: that was the other
0: one G-Gay. that people... Uh, the two big ones, you know, the biggest ones for a long time, you had Bucky Barnes, Gene uh, Gray's death, Uncle Ben's death, and, you know, like, everybody else gets to come back, and poor Uncle Ben, just yeah. still dead.
3: Yeah, the, the poor Peter Parker, like, that dude... Like I know, in the Ultimate Comics, he's dead. <laughs> the 616 he universe, he's so. dead. Yeah, well, he did 616 One Sixty universe, he's dead. Like Jesus, like is it just kill part kill Peter like month or something? Um, maybe it guess, for maybe a while. yeah, I guess maybe they just feel like since he's the everyman character, bring him back, he'll be fine. You know, <laughs> everybody, everybody will be happy. He'll be back
4: to complaining about his rent in no time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, that that only gets so far,
4: Adam.
3: Oh uh, Well, at least yeah. Mephisto's not involved with this one.
0: Not that we know. Right? Cool. We know. Oh,
3: God. Like,
0: I'm going to cool spoil this. What do you bet Doc Ock winds up having a change of heart and regretting what he did? He goes to Mephisto and says, undo this.
4: That would be my jumping off point. Oh, God. <laughs> Mephisto was like,
3: I thought he was such a cool character. And then... He's the devil. He's like... The devil's I, an
4: awesome and, character. He's like,
3: I, and he's like, I want one thing from you. And he's like, well, what's that? Your marriage. I'm like,
1: really,
4: Mephisto? I'm like,
3: out of yeah, everything
4: he, you could ask for, his fucking wedding ring? I've seen the robot devil in Futurama make better deals than that.
0: So... <laughs> <laughs> But no, you don't understand. Their love was so pure; its existence caused him physical pain. Oh, some bullshit! Some absolute yeah, logic like that. He wanted his love. Was,
4: their love was so pure that Marvel editorial was trying to break them up almost from the moment that they married them off in the eighties. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, and he would have gotten away with it too. Those meddling kids and their dumb write in campaign.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was uh, a pro prodig-
4: comic strip actually. uh Stanley married them off in the newspaper strip so the comics uh had to follow suit. They actually oh, did that- like a mock- they did like a mock wedding ceremony at Shea Stadium in, in New York one time. It's uh it's- you can probably find video if you uh, if you check YouTube, it's all over there.
1: Uh, hey, at least they're
3: doing better than Superman, who they couldn't marry them because they hadn't done it in Lois and Clark, so they said, fuck it, let's kill him. And then they did it again. <laughs> Jesus. I, I guess maybe the comics industry's on a downturn, so let's kill everybody.
0: Like Oprah, with cars. <laughs> you get a death. You get a death. You, <laughs> you get a get, death and a resurrection.
3: Get, yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, when I was, I read comics from my freshman year of high school to my senior year of high school, so that's like, what, oh, oh 05 to 20, uh, around 2010? Yeah, so yeah, I was around there for when they, <laughs> with, with the one more day, my teacher was like, well, what do you think about that? Because I read comics in the middle of his class, and I didn't give a fuck. And I was like, at the time, I was like, I don't think I like it, but you know, maybe something good will come out. Of it. And then when they killed Captain America, I was all torn up, and I didn't sell the comics on eBay like I should have, because now they're not worth the damn thing. See, <sighs> that's the sad part, those things were going 250 the 50 day, the day the issue came out. I don't know. Well,
4: of course, just they're invest bring in the old. Stuff. Noth- nothing <laughs> was ever going to be worth all that much ever again. Just invest in the old stuff.
3: Yeah,
4: God, I'm, I need to move some of these comics out of here. That's
3: Probably my room though. The rarest comic I have is Transformers Number One.
4: Woo!
3: Nice. Yes. Yeah. Either yeah, that or Spawn Number One. That's not worth a damn thing because everybody has it.
4: Everybody. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: all right.
3: Actually, like, actually like Spawn. Most people don't for some reason because he's
1: dark and weird. Really? Yeah, I know, I I've come far.
3: to find uh, i come to find on the internet that a lot of people don't think Spawn's kind of shitty. But I'm like, I fucking love Spawn. So you can go fuck But yeah. Speaking of, uh, okay, <laughs> there's no transition from go fuck yourself. Tom so McFarlane.
4: Far- McFarl started the uh, Tom McFarlane cre- co-created Venom. There you go. Well, we can't talk
0: about Venom. But, yeah, but if we can talk a little bit about Venom. Well, I know that. The thing about Venom is, it since it came to refer to the symbiote, and it possessed so many people. Well, I mean, ooh, you mentioned ooh, the, a scorpion. Yeah, you mentioned that beforehand. Uh, scorpion was one of the guys who had the symbiote for a while, and Scorpion's an interesting enough character. I mean, he was a what, what, was he a PI or a bounty hunter or something that uh, Jameson hired to hunt down Spider-Man, and the whatever gave him his powers wound up driving him insane.
1: Yeah,
4: that's right. Uh, he was a uh, Private investigator. Yeah, a really, do like that. A really dumb one.
0: <laughs>
4: Naturally.
3: <laughs> yeah, hey, we and want to try and
0: this. And so You can find Spider-Man. Okay. What are possible side effects? They include mania, insanity, death, dismemberment. Yeah, sounds good. Scorpionism. Scorpion is diarrhea. <laughs> I right, go ahead, Ben. Oh, hi.
4: Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Hey. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I didn't hear anybody. Um, we're talking about scorpion now.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, scorpion is mostly scorpion is not. You know, not a particularly interesting character by himself I mean, he's pretty cool And, and, you know, there have been some pretty cool battles You know, Spider-Man versus Scorpion battles But as a character, he's pretty one-dimensional His best, you know, the best thing about the Scorpion Was basically, like, how, you know His creation made Jameson, you know, that much more of You know, that much more of an an interesting quasi-villain Because, you know, Jameson Find did you know, the 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 research and the scientists, that, you know, that ended up uh, doing the experiment that created him, and you know that whole story revolves around the idea that you know, uh, you know, Sin created an even bigger menace than you know he he could ever you know than he ever con- accused uh, Spider-Man of being, and he actually comes to realize that at you know at the last minute, and he flip-flops about that pretty quickly afterwards, but it's like, you know, it gives them that rare moment of clarity, like, wait a minute, you know, maybe I'm taking this too far. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that's, like, the problem with a lot of the, some of the smaller villains in uh, Spider-Man, like, you remember them, because the suit design's kind of memorable, and they got some cool powers, but a lot of them are... Yeah. Like, I mean, it's fine, because, you know, I remember shock I don't remember what what he does. I remember he's he vibrating a, gauntlet. Well no, I, I said I remember when I, mean, I know what he does. I didn't mean like what he does like power wise. I just meant like in the comics, like yeah, what it whatever. Like, it's,
4: it's kinda like uh, you know, um you know, Robert, you, you said something uh, when you were talking about the Joker. You were saying, like, Batman villains have, like, you know, there's the Joker, and then you've got, you know, the next level of A-list villains, and then you got the B- and C-list villains. Spider-Man is a lot like that. You've got – it's more like, you know, you got A-list villains, and then you kind of have A-list minus villains, and then you got B and C and D, and God help you, you've got the Gibbon and the Grizzly, which are somewhere <laughs> at the bottom of the alphabet. Uh, no. Oh no! I am the White Rabbit. See,
3: see, Jesse put a very, very fun uh, article here on the home game. Twenty-five most obscure uh, Spider-Man villains. Yeah, uh, we got some. I think I've read the Scarecrow. Shit, I forgot about Scarecrow.
0: Yeah. Apparently, there's a there's a squid as well. Since we yeah, have a yeah. and everything else. Oh God! Yeah, do don't, don't
4: go anywhere near those. Oh, squid! What?
0: Yeah, me, you me. don't want to know.
4: You really <laughs> don't want to know. I have that comic.
3: Yeah, uh, the great Goblin here is what's making me laugh my ass off. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, apparently it's uh, it's one of the twins of Norman Osborne Yeah, Stacey yeah, had one together.
0: of the uh, one of the illegitimate children that Norman <laughs> that Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy had. That is
4: that is one that was on J. Michael Straczynski's watch that I really can't defend. No, you can't. Oh, who do we that have was, here. I will High defend. Bone. I will. I'll try to defend this. His original idea was that it was not that it was the children of um, Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy, but Peter and Gwen Stacy, which would have been a lot more interesting. But yeah. uh, once again, once again, you know, Marvel does not want Spider-Man to grow up and have kids and change in any significant way. So that was that was the hey, alternative. That would have been awful. Yeah,
3: I mean, damn! Like you can imagine all the psychological torture they can give him.
4: <laughs> that was that was the alternative. The alternative was you know ins- you know instead of giving Spider-Man kids, let's have Norman Osborn Rape his girl, and then it was he, consensual. Of,
0: it was, it was scary, consensual. I think given her age, but
3: yeah, I mean it's just I don't know. Like when Osborn did that, it just he went from like kind of a cool character, to, or I guess kind of a cooler villain, to just like <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a,
3: that that's kind of almost like comically, like, nasty, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's kind of shortening. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it would have been a lot better if that would have been Peter and Glenn's, because then he would have had to cope, come to the terms of, all oh, these kids I have. Because I've noticed that. I guess maybe the reason why I never really think of any Spider-Man stories is because, really, it's all about Spider-Man. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's more about him as a guy
4: and him overcoming things than, like, the villain. I
1: That's should say,
4: to like, if I can rattle this off really quick, um... A lot of the a lot of the biggest, you know, most prominent villains that are still being used today in Spider-Man comics were a product of of literally a product of the first 2 years of the comics existence. This is like, you know, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko at their creative peak and literally it would be one issue after the other introducing a new villain from like the very beginning. So like the first yeah. 25 issues which which is the first 2 years of the comic roughly. You've got hold on. I got the list here. You got Jameson, Chameleon, Vulture, Tinkerer, Doctor Octopus, Sandman, the Lizard, Electro, the Enforcers, Mysterio, Green Goblin, Craven, the Scorpion, and then the Spider Slayers at issue 25. So that's that's the first two years of Spider Man. Those that villain, every single one of those villains is still around somewhere or another. Huh. Well, that's incredibly
3: interesting because
4: because just looking through all these shitty
3: villains here. <laughs> court in court city, I guess. Thank God. Somebody's like the only ones I would reckon was like Tombstone, but that was because he he was in a few pretty awesome episodes of uh, the animated series, like the one where we actually gave uh, Robbie the the guy that worked at the Daily Bugle some uh, some character development. Yeah. I yeah, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I've noticed uh, there's, uh, through my time on the Internet that there, there actually are some flaws in the 90s, the 90s series that I never noticed.
1: <laughs> that's that's like animation,
3: why. Like, especially animation-wise, apparently.
1: <laughs> oh, well.
4: Uh, that, here's the thing about that, you know, that 90s Spider-Man series had to compete with X-Men and Batman at the same time, and there was oh. no way. Animation-wise, there was no way.
0: Oh, these
4: cities are.
0: I love those two shows just as a study in contrast because you have X Men that strove to be a lot more realistic, and then you have this kind of stylized art deco that you get out of Batman: The Animated Series. And I mean, I enjoy both series, but just the way they contrast with each other is just, for me at least, is really was really fascinating. Yeah,
3: because you look at like
0: X Men did a lot of adaptation
3: to a lot of. Stories of the time and in the past, and I, I always look at Batman as they did mostly their own thing. And that's I well, they, came, on, well, I
0: they had their own version of Doctor or Mister Free. Yeah, actually, I mean he
4: he'd be he'd so be good. Game. That version of it, that version of it was so good that the comics ended up adopting pretty much that origin from the animated series. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were. Like that like before he materials.
4: was like yeah before he was just a guy with a cold gun, and then after that he
0: became a tragic character. Uh, Paul Dini, oh, ad- brilliant bastard. They adopted uh, Harley Quinn too. She started in there. Animated series and then moved into the comics because she was so popular. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that show was so good. But that's a podcast for another day.
0: <laughs> yeah. When, we, when I get back to Batman, we will be discussing that at length. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right, so I that, can talk about that series for hours. Uh, All right,
5: goes? Ben. Have we, uh, have we not
0: hit anybody that sticks out in your head? Oh, we haven't talked. We haven't touched on Hobgoblin.
4: Oh, the Hobo Goblin.
0: Oh yeah. That. All right, Ben. <laughs> Go ahead, and give us uh, your your feelings on the hobgoblin there.
4: Um, I like hobgoblin a lot. Um, I like the fact that they they kind of tried to recreate and 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 amp up the uh, the mystery, like the you know who is the goblin type of mystery. Because what not too many people realize is uh, the original Green Goblin. Um, nobody knew his identity until you know a few appearances, you know, a few times after he appeared, and it was revealed to be. Uh, Norman Osborne, which was a whole other thing that, you know that wasn't they, a lot they of originally
0: gonna go a different way?
4: Um, I yeah, I talked about this uh, before in, in another podcast. Um Steve Ditko actually wanted the Green Goblin to be revealed as somebody that had never been seen before, um, because he, you know, that that's just kinda how he viewed things, like, you know, there there's there is no coincidence and it's not always necessarily a person you know. He tried that with his previous story, and it didn't go over so well. So when it came time to do it for the Green Goblin, Stanley was pretty much like, you know, there's no way. This has to be dramatic, and it has to be somebody that we've seen before. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, the fans are going to want to kill us. Um, so I think they did the right thing with that. They tried to do something similar with the Hobgoblin, where, you know, uh, you never see his face, you never n- really know who he is. And when you think that you know who he is, because the, the very first, um, I think actually the second Hobgoblin story, he's unmasked, but it's not really him. It's, you know, one of his, one of his hired guys. Um, and it was a whole thing where the original writer, uh, Roger Stern, had this whole, grand plan for how he was going to reveal who the hobgoblin was but then he ended up leaving spider-man before he could reveal it so other people uh you know other writers ended up revealing it as somebody that he didn't intend it to be and he ended up having to retcon that much much later on i think you know within the past 10 years he wrote the story that he wanted it right with who the hobgoblin really is and now they've run with that but um you know, at first it was all about the mystery. It was all about you know this uh, you know this new goblin and he's stolen all of Norman Osborn's technology and made it better. And you know uh, now you know the, he's trying to do what the Green Goblin tried to do at first, which has become you know a big time you know figure in organized crime, and uh, you know make a name for himself. And he's got to kill Spider-Man to do it. You see, that's the one obstacle. And really, with the Hobgoblin, it was all business. It was it was never personal which uh, put a new angle on it, too.
0: Uh, I have to imagine that would almost be refreshing, you know, when you have all of these guys, and they keep, you know, when you've been around for so long, when you've been around, and as many interactions as you've had between Spider-Man and Green Goblin or Doc Ock, or, any of the other to get to get a character that just does not care about him personally, isn't interested in who he is or any of that. Just no, I wish to run my organized crime unit and make as much money as possible. I, that's right. always got to be a refreshing change of pace.
4: Well, it was, you know, at the time in, in the eighties, this was, you know, the, this was the type of stuff that you know people still wax nostalgic about Spider-Man, you know, in the eighties. It's that whole run, you know, with with the Hobgoblin and the mystery of who he is. And, you know, uh, and he was, and he just had, like, a badass look. You know, he, he appropriated, you know, all the Green Goblin technology, but he, he had his own look to him, well, his own sense Todd of menace. Did Todd
0: draw that, the original that like, was, Goblins and Hobgoblins? Isn't that early Todd McFarlane? Oh, that was, no, that was John Romita, Jr. It's one of my
4: heroes. Uh, okay. John Romita, Jr. Uh, uh, designed the uh, Hobgoblin, And uh, you know, it's kind of the the very first issue, the very first appearance of of the Hobgoblin. And I I guess Jesse's playing along with us. He should be able to find this cover. It's the coolest image. It's just you know, the Hobgoblin. You you can't even see his face. The face is is shadowed by the hood, and it's just so badass.
1: It's an image of him ripping the Spider Man
4: costume in half.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see it. I found it, so that is awesome. Yeah,
4: so that's the first thing you see. You don't even know what it's about and what's going on. You find out, you know, what's going on by the end of that story, but that's all you have to go on, and, you know, all you see is, you know, it's a new goblin, and we haven't seen a new goblin since, you know, Norman Osborn died, so you have no idea what this guy is, what he's about, what he's doing, and you know, what his angle is, and it's, it got you right there. It's a, great image and it's a great tease to, you know, suck you into into the comic and then the story was
0: great on top of that. All right. Uh anything that he hasn't touched on that you wanted to coop as far as Hobgoblin? Oh
3: all of it. I thought damn badass.
0: Oh so I
3: did not know Deadpool played the Hobgoblin one. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is played this is after escaping the hostess. Hostess. Deadpool was hired by the wizard to bomb a hangar dressed as the Hobgoblin. Deadpool mentioned he disliked the costume and
4: after he had, having bombed the wrong hanger, he never wore it again. <laughs> uh, that is a story you can only do with Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: doesn't uh, work with anybody else. No, not uh, really. Deadpool, oh,
4: Deadpool's so awesome. But
3: they For a while, they were really, I don't know if they're still doing it, they were really stretching him kind of thin. Oh, yeah, he's so badass. And, and the Hot Goblin's awesome. I, I definitely remember him from the from again, the 90s show. You know, that's where a lot of, like, my early memories came from. That is like, one of the things. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just saying, in the, in the 90s show, he ended up being rich girl, Felicia Hardy. Her her boyfriend or some more, fiance or something like that, was the Hobgoblin. I don't yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool way of integrating, like, that character in with all the other stuff. It was interesting. And oh,
4: it, Mark Hamill.
1: Yeah, thank yeah, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah,
4: Mark Hamill voiced him. That was that was one of the few things I really loved about that series. Actually, across the board, that's one of the few things I really loved about that series. Is, is the the voice cast was awesome. The voice cast was damn near perfect. That's about the only thing. The only thing it was missing was J.K.
0: Simmons and J.D. O'Jama. Yeah, there. Which is what he does yeah. now for the Spider-Man. Con- doesn't he do that now? Like he was I'm so good sure. at it that he has now taken over <laughs> some of the voice roles, or at least for the movies, I, for some of the animated movies he's done it. I don't know.
3: I have no doubt. I have like Steve Bloom, they found out Steve Bloom was so good at Wolverine, the dude pretty much voices Wolverine for everything now. Oh,
0: he's cool. I am. I'm going to have to, like, see if I can find that on YouTube now because Mark Hamill's voice acting is... <sighs> that guy reinvented his career doing voice acting and not just with the Joker, even though he does an awesome Joker, but... That's a diff- All right, so there anybody that we haven't touched on that you want to touch on yet ben
4: uh looking at my list right now um I think we covered all the a actually we didn't we didn't we didn't catch uh the lizard that's about the oh. only a like really a list guy that's uh and that's another pretty tragic figure is uh you Dr. know
0: Kirk Connors yeah, the poor guy it. lost his arm, decided he wanted it back, spliced reptile DNA because reptiles will regrow things like tails and mutated yeah he's a very my understanding, he's a very tragic character.
4: It's also another good example of Stan Lee's, uh, you know, science will do whatever I say it does, you know, when you're trying <laughs> to create a villain. Yes. <laughs> Excelsior. But, you know, you, when it's this when it's this cool, you don't care one bit, but it's, you know, it's super science.
1: You know, as long
0: you know, my thing with that, and this goes for a lot of, you know, various mediums, as long as you don't insult my intelligence, I'll go with you. If you give me an
1: excuse
0: to follow your logic, I'm there. And if you want an example of this that is a completely different discussion, but Snakes on a Plane, they at least made the effort to Hang on, not a great movie. They made enough effort to say, okay, here's how they got on, here's why they're behaving differently than they would normally, that I'm, okay, I'm willing to go with plenty of other problems with that movie...
1: But when that you movie, make
0: good.
4: no, that movie that that movie was actually more entertaining than it had any right to be. It actually started sucking the moment that all the snakes got sucked out of the
0: plane. Yeah, and not because they had Keenan landing the airplane. That didn't help. That's, yeah, that's
4: what I mean. Oh, but no, I, I'm with
0: you. I enjoyed, But again, it's one of those. It's you know, just if you give me enough of a reason to believe, I'll follow you there. Just don't do anything stupid or jarring. And Stanley was good at that, by and large. You know, None of yeah. it was realistic, but it made enough sense within its own universe to be plausible. And that's all you can ask for when you're dealing with the fantastic. Sure. Okay, yeah. I'm, just, I'm curious, since we're talking about the lizard, did you enjoy the uh, Jonathan Rice Davies version, that, or Davis version that was seen in the... Spider-Man. Did you enjoy his vision of you know, his version of Spider-Man, or was or of the Lizard? The Lizard specifically. Um, yeah. Nah, I, I, I thought it
4: was. Eh, he was. It wasn't that great. It was uh, that great of a uh, There was more that they could have done with it. Um, I think they they kind of underachieved with that because they spent a lot of time focused on uh, Spider-Man and so and, and retelling the origin, which they really didn't need to do, but. I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed that movie, but the the lizard was kind of a weak villain to use for it. And
0: kind of a wasted opportunity, too, from what I understand. Like w- like we just mentioned, he's a tragic character, and that doesn't really come across as much as maybe it should. And this is one of the reasons I've kind of come around to Mark Radulich's point of view on origin stories, and that some of them you don't need to retell. Everybody knows how Batman became Batman. Everybody knows how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. We don't need to see the origin every time we... Get another, get get an opening an opening movie in a franchise. I, w-
4: I would say you know I wouldn't have had a problem with them redoing the origin if they hadn't have done it absolutely as perfect as they could have done it in any in in movie form with the original Sam Raimi Spider Man. Like I don't that was about as good as it got as far as retelling Spider Man's origin. So they weren't going to top that with with this movie they they went so far away from it that it just seemed pointless and it wasted a lot of time. And that movie actually picked up a lot when they got all of that stuff out of the way, you know, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, when we're yeah, not retelling thought, things everyone knows, the story improves. Who would have thought?
3: <laughs> yeah, I thought like, the lizard in that movie, like, I actually liked the character and it kind of did make sense while he was doing everything. But once he became, like, I want to turn everybody into lizard. I was like, that doesn't make much sense character wise. Like, I, I get it, but it's kind of a far leap from him to go to uh, you know. I want to regrow my arm. So I want to destroy the world. I mean, yeah, I'm sure turning into a lizard can make you be a little crazy, but I don't think it is turn everybody into lizards crazy. I think he, he, he has had this
4: sort of oh, oh,
3: go ahead.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Ben.
4: Um, the way I, I the way I got what I got from the movie was he. Uh, he had this sort of lizard, you know, human hybrid master race type of mentality. Uh, like you know, that type of thing, like, you know, this will make the human race better. That's kinda of what I got out of
0: it. I could be wrong. I I haven't seen that I actually now that I think about it. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> worth to it. it. It's worth checking out. Actually it's a good movie. I just haven't got around to a great of great many movies that I probably should have seen by now that I have, but yeah, yeah, like, Spider Man kind of like... three,
3: I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of a smartass and a bit of a hipster and a little bit of a douche. But you know, it's realistic. <laughs> that, that's one thing. I was like, hey, he kind of
4: does act like a teenager would nowadays. A smartass hipster. What,
5: what people don't
4: remember about those original Spider-Man comics, that's actually a pretty good characterization, a pretty yeah. accurate characterization of Spider-Man, like in the early days, because he was kind of, um, you know, he was kind of offbeat, and even after he got the powers and he started coming into his own. You know, he could be kind of a jerk and he actually had to work at being a good person and um, you know, he had issues with authority, you know, he rubbed people the wrong way and, you know, he wasn't he wasn't as nice a guy as people remember him to be. Uh he he really you know, that that's what made I think that's what another thing that made Peter Parker relatable back in the day was that, you know, he was a guy that was a good person but it didn't come naturally to him. He actually had to work at it. Yeah. That and I, I felt like
3: uh, in that movie it was a little, I guess, more realistic to modern times because, because uh, like how he was in the '60s kind of like I, I don't, I haven't met many kids like that ever, like you know, in modern times. You know, like the science whiz, it's always like attached to the lab. and I never, never met those kids. So I was like, ah, yeah. This, I, I felt like it was a little more realistic. But I mean, the the Sam Raimi version is still pretty, pretty solid. I can dig it. Have to go, we
1: go.
0: we <laughs> Costume perfect now. Yeah, they got the costume right, and hey, look, he actually has to make his web cartridges instead of it being randomly part of his mutation. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That was the one thing that kind of bugged me about those. It was like, no, because I remember, no, he had to make his own web being material. It wasn't... He he got jumping, he got strength, he got clinging to walls, but he couldn't shoot his own... You know, that was... He either had that from the Venom symbiote in the black suit or from his own... uh, The things he created.
3: Yeah, didn't... uh... Uh, Stan Lee said the reason he did that is so it would add, it could, uh, he could add in dramatic tension any time. are so like, oh no, he's
4: almost out of web. Oh crap, I ran out. <laughs> yeah, but that became a gigantic crutch after a while.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah, that's kind
4: of what he made it. <laughs> it. became such a horrible plot device that every other issue he was running out of web fluid. So. Well, I guess when you're spinning so much web.
3: Yeah.
0: Every, every episode ended with a cliffhanger of, oh crap, he's falling and he's out of webbing material. Not again. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, we're down to the last five minutes or so of live time, and all right, so you, we hit the lizard, which is the other one you mentioned. Anyone else, uh, you know, lower level, upper level, Benjamin, that you wanted to touch on, even just kind of mockingly before we start wrapping up?
4: Uh, I have to, with a little bit of time I got left. Um, maybe the vulture, uh, who's kind of oh, I think geez. kind of underrated.
0: How'd I forget about the vulture? Well, he said Yeah. That's the other thing about the Vulture. I mean, I'm going to try and remember... Wasn't one version, like, uh, kind of a uh, politely a knockoff of, like, uh, the mate, You know, Sykes from... Not Sykes. Fagan from uh, Oliver Twist. He, he, like, ran a ring of orphans underground who did his criminal bidding. Or am I misremembering? I don't remember that. It's possible. I don't... uh That might be eh. something I haven't read before. And hang on. I'm going
4: <laughs> to... I...
0: There's a good chance i going to look up kind of his bio, so...
4: I've got a bunch of vulture issues that I haven't read yet, so... I'm
3: okay, kind of
0: I, I might be wrong, too. I've been wrong before
4: it happens.
3: Oh, God, there's a new vulture? Yeah, there's, a, there's people. different versions.
0: <laughs> is, is that just the stuff of your nightmares? Humans eating other humans?
3: Uh, it's just in comics, if it's not... Like, the one with the blob just pissed me off. It was from the ultimate, like the Ultimatum, when they were killing all those... The Ultimate Universe and the blob was eating the wasp.
1: Like, yeah.
3: That was, that, I, I was just like, like that's, no. that's just one of those, like, that always just gives me the heebie-jeebie pointless stuff. Yeah, that that story was and pretty significant. That, that's why I was making the Jeff Love joke, because that man just pooped on me, like, pretty much the entire Ultimate Universe. God, Ultimate 3 was so bad. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I loved right. Ultimate. So, uh, all
0: right, so what about Vulture was it that, yeah, okay, I've looked up, I believe I'm mistaken as far as my... I yeah. misread. Mis, or, you know, so, so, Benjamin, you brought him up. Let's hit on the false. You know what? What is it about him that you like?
4: Um, just that uh, they, he kind of—it's a guy that, like a lot of the Spider-Man villains, he's—you know—he starts off as a petty crook, but they actually gave him a pretty good backstory that plays up on the fact that you know he's an older guy that's—you know—playing supervillain. That uh, you know his, you know he was an inventor. His technology was stolen out from under him. He was made to look like you know kind of a senile old fool. You know he ends up you know getting revenge on his business partner, and uh, you know turns to crime. You know uses uh, you know the invention, you know, the vulture the invention, which is an electromagnetic flying harness. You know once again, super science. Um, but, you know, he, he, it's a guy who kind of grew into the identity that he, you know, that he started off with, you know, that he's, he's a scavenger and he's, you know, uh, you know, he can, he even considers himself, you know, pretty, you know, a pretty low, uh, you know, loathsome person. And he's cool with that.
0: Mm. All right, Coop, anything you got on the Vulture? Uh, I
4: don't have much on him. I just remember he was a guy with a pretty cool suit. <laughs> I never
3: read, well, I have
0: read many, uh, Vulture comics. Character design goes a long way. All right, oh, okay. Who's the other guy, member of the Sinister Six? I'm going to look up the picture here. We're missing uh, just one. Oh, I Mysterio. I not Sandman either. Mysterio, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah, but we didn't
3: do Sandman. And I actually have one that we've all
0: forgotten, but i wait. Okay. No, no, who, who have we forgotten?
3: Morbius the Living
0: Vampire. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my, again, my unfortunate first exposure was, I need plasma. plasma. Uh,
1: oh,
4: plasma's
0: 90 yeah, 90- that- Water. Yeah, was okay. another thing that made me hate the animated series.
4: They could. There were certain words that they couldn't say. Hey, I learned things about the human body that I'm like,
3: oh, I didn't know that was part of blood. Blood, <laughs> blood. That and the damn laser pistols
0: still.
1: Uh, Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Biggest, right? Like,
0: all 90 animated series couldn't do, like, they didn't show you know, real gunfire. They were crappy lasers. It was like, Batman. no. Well,
4: except I uh, I think Batman got these guns, th- didn't yeah, that you know, with with impunity, the cops use guns, the crooks use guns, and Batman, yeah, everybody used to everybody shoot guns to too,
1: except,
0: except Batman, who did not need firearms. Batman's so
4: awesome, he doesn't, he ne- he never needs guns. That's right, because if he did, he'd be. <laughs> yeah,
3: he Mor- really talk- is... used
0: a firearm, was beating uh, Darkseid. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mor- Morbius was awesome. Way. Okay, so you want, so you want to talk about Morbius, the new vampire, you know, the you know, the vampire. You, didn't he... I know, I, I'm not as the, in the realm of the comics, so I'm going to defer to your expertise on this one, Coop.
3: Um, I was actually summing uh, through his character biography just to make sure I got everything. Uh, apparently, he... Uh, I remember he, he was, ball, uh, became he like starts
1: off like
0: a student. Doesn't he like start off as an exchange student who just has a rare blood disease that he keeps trying to cure himself of,
4: and it goes horribly uh, wrong? No, 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 no. That's the animated exactly. series origin, I'm not sure how close it is.
3: Yeah... But, uh, okay. He was attacked by the lizard and defeated by Spider-Man in those lizard's forces. Yeah, he was a biochemist who was trying to cure Blitz using vampire bats and electroshock therapy. <laughs> and he took, made him into a pseudo-vampire. Oh, so, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, he actually uh, had a few series of his own, which is, like, I only knew about one of them, which was uh, in the 90s. What a surprise, right? He became part of the the whole Midnight Suns, which was I think him I'm not sure if Blade was in that, but I know the eight in the nineties Ghost Rider, Dan Ketch, He was he was in the Midnight Suns and they're actually there's a really badass looking cover that's so 90s-tastic. it's amazing. <laughs> Did Did it was, the- oh, hmm, what?
0: I think he asked if it glowed is on the dark. Oh, that's what I
3: thought. I can't actually tell. But I remember a buddy of mine let like me borrow some comics once that were uh, like Batman and Dead, and they glow, glowed in the dark, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Mind you, I was in eighth grade, so it makes <laughs> sense. But yeah, Morbius, I always thought he was really cool. He was, I think he's almost he's kind of unique with Spider-Man's villains, because, you know, Spider-Man doesn't fight many vampires. (laughs) Last time I checked, vampires aren't usually his realm of, uh, you know, battling. Uh, We always found him unique, and I thought he was really interesting, especially because he had a life beyond Spider-Man. Hell, I don't think a lot of people remember he was in Spider-Man if you don't remember Plasma. I need Plasma! It
1: was so bad.
3: Yeah, oh, God, it It really Hey, it's almost as bad as... uh, was it the 90s Silver Surfer cartoon where Thanos worships
4: chaos? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that wasn't good, but everything else about that show was awesome. I just knew he, I didn't ever get to watch it, but I remember chaos. That, that, was that, animated, really good that show, that, that show. the animation style alone, that was like a living Jack Kirby comic, so I, I couldn't get enough of that show. I was so sad, like it only lasted... A
3: few episodes. Yeah. I think that one was pretty cool. I never watched much of the Fantastic Four one. I think the only Marvel uh, car- cartoon that I never even gave a chance was the Avengers one. You remember you the Avengers one? Wrong. The, the Avengers one from like 2000 where they had the damn suits or something.
5: I remember that one. That yeah. Earth's Mightiest
0: Heroes? I'm thinking no, no,
3: before no. That. Oh, okay. no, no, no. So no, this one was from like
4: 2000. Uh, yeah, I remember the one, at it was one. It was on Fox. The team was led by Ant Man. It didn't have Captain America or Thor or Iron Man because they were con- they'd be able to get in spin off shows. <laughs> yeah, so it
1: didn't was like have Ant
4: Man. Yeah, I, I remembered yeah. that one.
3: I was like, yeah, that one wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty lame. Yeah, it was. Spider Man Unlimited. That's I like Spider Man Unlimited. I'm
4: like the. I'm glad somebody besides have somebody else that doesn't hate that show. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean I, I not
1: it so
4: Yeah, I mean I didn't get to watch
3: much of it, but I liked it for what I saw. It was yeah, fine. I kinda, yeah, I mean there's nineties was a good time for superhero cartoons. Like we got some good ones now, but not nearly as many. Satin cartoons know, as a whole is kind of become kinda eh like I'll watch but anyways, I think that's all for my my right. pick. So we have who do we have left? All Sandman and
0: Mysterio. Sandman and Mysterio to round out the sinister six. And then I think that's sure. all of them that we're going to touch on. So, well, let's go with Sandman since he also got a big screen version and was one of the few good parts I felt about Spider-Man Three. It was better in the book. Eh, that's almost universally the, true. Yeah, I read the novelization.
3: There was so they gave him a lot more backstory, like a lot more stuff with like his daughter or something. I liked it because I was I was expecting to see it in the movie and did not see very much of it.
4: Yeah, that's I'm that subplot in Spider-Man Three with his daughter just dropped off the face of the earth after like the first forty-five minutes, didn't it?
0: I mean, it's like okay, here's here's uh, the reason he feels the need—he feels compelled to rob because he has to pay for his daughter's medical expenses, and then it never gets mentioned again. I mean, does she die halfway through, and then we're just—he's just on a crime spree out of grief? I mean, just <laughs> uh, 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 maybe it was an in, it was an interesting bit of. Story that could have been developed and was just dropped because why not? Yeah,
3: it should have been developed more. Like that would have made him like ten thousand times better. But no, we had to focus on Eric Forman.
0: Sorry, I should Here's... not look at Venom and imagine Kurtwood Smith going. I'm going to put my foot up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: I want to, You're going to kill me for st- saying this, but I just watched RoboCop for the first time a few weeks ago.
0: And I'm going to get things. mad at you for saying that. Everybody yeah, watched yeah, it. But... Well, the, I loved his ver- I loved him in that and well, it's made the
3: fact that it took me twenty
0: 20- eh, It took me a while. Uh but you know the so, fact that I look at um <laughs> Clarence Boddicker Kurt- and I only get hints of Red Foreman and he's still a badass.
3: Every every time I see Kurtwood Smith, like I was watching it with my buddies and every time he talked I go dumbass.
1: Nancy every nice I'm gonna have to
2: disagree with you, Bob.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Can I like- uh, that's, uh, my favorite foot in the ass was the one from the last episode. Can I light these fireworks off in your house? Can I light my foot in your ass? Uh, my favorite, the old foot in the ass.
1: Yeah, it's
0: why he didn't get a spinoff show going into the eighties was just kind of, I think, a missed opportunity. You know, l- leave everyone else. Just have Red open up an auto parts store in, even in a could even be in the same city, but moving into the eighties. He runs an auto parts store and have him deal with kids making 80s references and him just still being crotchety and pissed off. It's still be I... better
3: than Johnny Loves Shaggy and probably better than that 80s. Probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. Be better than new. You know, I never got the appeal of that show. I'm like, oh, Zoe I've never she's seen adorable. A
0: single episode, I'm like, but she's there's... adorable. I like her sister better. And she opens her mouth. I take
3: them both. I'm hard. I take them both. I'm hardcore.
0: Well, Emily's at least oh. talented. And she on. was in Spider-Man 2. And she was, a
4: Spider-Man uh, was she in Spider-Man it
1: 2. was she in Spider-Man too? She was in
4: Spider-Man 2 for like five seconds. Who was she? So was uh, the beginning, at the very beginning, she was the receptionist that Peter delivers the pizza to. Oh. Well, there, yeah. there we go. That's how many times I've watched that movie. <laughs> yeah,
3: picking up some years. years. Yeah. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I just never got a New Girl. Sean, Sean's like, yeah, New Girl's pretty good. I'm like, eh.
1: I think Zoe no, Johnson adorable. All. Dude, Look,
3: I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine though, and Brooklyn Nine Nine is amazing.
0: I'm about to drop. because I hate it. <laughs> Dude,
3: See, I marathon I like Andy Sandberg. He's fun. And but you I know, on um, that. And...
0: Everybody, yeah. Everybody's comedic sensibilities are different. Yeah, all right, and and before I'm we go, too much to straight
4: man movie. is the greatest casting of all time.
0: Just saying. I might have to give. I might have to give you one last uh, thing
4: on uh one last thing on Sandman before you move on. Like I, I will say. That is that that was you say like that's one of the few good parts of Spider-Man three. I'd argue it's the only good part of Spider-Man three because that's where all the money went. That transformation, <laughs> like, like when he when he's first transforming into Sandman, and oh and, uh, I love that! I love that, the way that. And that is that was fantastic. I love that to death. Like I wish the rest of the movie would have measured up to that because that was a great effect and. That's where the budget went. I'm telling you, like, After that, it drove off a cliff, but <laughs>
1: sure, it like certainly didn't go
4: to the writing. That movie had me with that with that moment, with that scene. The movie had me, and I was like, okay, this is in good hands. And then uh, James Franco shows up again, and
1: it you know, <laughs> becomes
4: Harry. <laughs> and
3: he becomes mm. Harry Osborn, burn victim.
4: <laughs> he becomes
3: two face apparently. Something uh, like that. Uh, but yeah, Spider-Man S- 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 is U- a cool character.
0: Without uh, yeah, shows him the error of his ways.
3: Yeah, yeah, I remember that one time where him and Hydro Man got mixed up. Yeah, he, he was, he was Hydro
0: Man in the television in the eighties, in the nineties television series. Yeah. Because. Sandman was going to be in James Cameron's movie.
1: He was a yeah, character think, in the
3: comic, too, though. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think the two of uh, them Hyper got messed up and became a, Yeah, yeah he, he's a real thing. But I think they become like, became a mud monster or something. I remember that.
0: That sounds interesting. I, mean, I, mean, you know, I, that... I,
3: I just vaguely vaguely remember something. Like,
0: okay, yeah, so we could be cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, Cooper looks that up. All right, last member of the Sinister Six. Uh, I can never remember the guy's name. I'm looking at his picture. He's got the helmet on. And for some reason, I can't... Sorry, what was that?
4: Winston Beck is his real name, Mysterio.
0: Mysterio, thank you. All right, so let's talk about him. What do you uh, got? There,
4: goofy appearance, but interesting uh, interesting idea for a villain. Uh, you know, the, uh, failed special effects wizard, uh, you know, turned, you know of men, turns to life a crime. Um, he had... Uh, This is the villain that you want When you want to put Spider-Man in these fantastical situations And then you want an out for it Like, you know, it's not really You know, you're not really fighting aliens on the moon It was all a special effect and It was all a hallucination created by Mysterio And, you know, it's set up And it's established that he can do that So you buy it And, you know, it makes for Every once in a while It makes for an interesting, uh, you know, way to shake things up So he was good for that Mysterio was always good for having an, an excuse to put Spider Man in situations where it's not just, you know, urban, you know, New York City.
0: Alright. Yeah, it's nice to have those outs as opposed to just he woke up and it was a dream or it was <laughs> a hallucination based on Scarecrow's fear of death. Right. you want to get into battle? Yeah, yeah,
3: hey, that was still one of the best episodes of the animated series.
0: It was. Oh. I was I was, it really was. Yeah.
4: I'm not sure sh- no, it totally was.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm not saying it wasn't good, I'm just, you know, swerve endings like that, you know, any time you get the rug yanked out from under you, it can be, it, that's hit or miss. And when it works, it's pretty good, but it's, <laughs> going, uh, but going anyway.
3: the know. Going with the same elsewhere in Where <laughs> <or> the new, <laughs> the boys, it was in an autistic new boy's
0: mind all along. <laughs> no, dude, New Hearts, the entire television series was a dream he had. So yes. I'm going too old no. school for you guys, aren't I? I, I remember not, that.
3: I mean, hell, I went old school. Thing elsewhere, fucking watch soap operas from the eighties. I remember That's that. Thing. One, one more important one other,
4: thing one other thing about Mysterio is that, uh, uh, kind of like the Kingpin, um, Mysterio had one of his best moments actually in an issue with Daredevil. Oh, uh, this was when uh, you know Kevin Smith actually wrote a couple of issues of Daredevil in the very early two thousands. I think it was where uh, Mysterio's revealed to be. The uh, villain behind, you know, this series of, event, of events that, you know, where he's trying to drive Daredevil insane and um, it doesn't work. He ends up killing, you know, Karen Page, but um, it doesn't work and, and, you know, Daredevil ends up, you know, kind of humiliating him And and um, and I hope I'm not spoiling this, but this is, you know, this is like a 14-year-old story. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Mysterio. Supposedly, it's been retconned that it wasn't really him, or that he. It, it, but in the story, he ends up killing himself, and the last line was, you know, because you know Daredevil humiliated him and said that you know nothing he's ever created is ever you know really original. You stole every idea that you had. So his his parting word as he puts a gun to his head is, you know, I stole this idea too from Craven. Bang. <laughs> Damn. Nice.
0: And just for the record, spoilers are welcome here by and large, unless something is ongoing. Uh, and even then, I mean, I resist the urge to spoil on a frequent basis. Uh, stuff like Game of Thrones, because I everybody dies.
2: Yeah, everybody.
0: Uh, there you go. But okay, stuff. But so, don't worry about spoiling stuff here. It's unless it's ongoing. In which case, and I mean, if the seri- if a series, if a season of television has been over for more than three months, I figure the onus is on you. Not on me. I no longer have to tiptoe around it. Okay. So you're fine. Anything that old, if you if you're not aware of it, or sorry, we don't have to tiptoe around that one.
4: I still recommend checking out that Daredevil story arc because it's really good. It's uh, Kevin Smith has written comics on and off, you know, from time to time. Not all of them are good. Most of them aren't that great, but that one that one holds up very well. Yeah, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, Mysterio, I always thought he was really awesome as a kid. I was like, oh, he's got a cool fishbowl on his head. Oh, that looks so cool. (laughs) Though in the Spider-Man 2 video game, I loved him. I love Mysterio because he looked all—he was all awesome in
4: his boss battle. But you'll run into him later, and he's just a fucking joke. <laughs> is, is, that where, like, is that the one where, like, is the one where you uppercut him one time and beat him? Is that? Am I thinking of the right one? Yeah, it's like you—you you, uh, run into him at a uh, like some convenience store
3: robbery or something. And <laughs> okay. I was I was pressing X to uh, skip the cutscene, and then all of a sudden, just uppercut. I'm like, did I break the game? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I love that that game. Uh, Such a good game. I never finished it because that fucking boss at the end with you trying to defuse Doc Ogg's bombs.
1: That's where uh, I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: Stopped right there but that game was so good. It really was. It's one of the few like uh, comic book games slash
4: movie games that are
3: worthwhile in the past 20 years. They prefer
4: the the webslinging physics, so it was fun to just go around the city, you know, with no for no particular reason.
3: Oh yeah, jumping off the Empire State Building was awesome.
4: Yeah. Unless you didn't jump far what? enough out
3: and you ended up hitting halfway th- down. Yeah what? Yeah, I ended up doing that a lot. Yeah, Mysterio was cool. I, always, I just always dug what he did. He was so, he was so unique, and like the fact that he was some special effects wizard, and he was creating illusions. You'll often see that. Good job, Stan. I think, didn't Stanley create Mysterio? Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, even though Stanley runs his mouth a lot, and apparently he, he, he takes a lot of credit for things he didn't do. Somebody Man, that's
0: my out. phone again. Yeah.
4: Everything everything within the first 40 or so issues of, of Spider-Man, you can credit to Stanley and Steve Ditko pretty much equally. They've, I think a lot of this. It gets kinda of murky as to who created what when. I'm I'm very comfortable just saying it was both and being happy with that. I think I think he likes to like act like it was him though. I think that's what pisses people off. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I well yeah. Dan just doesn't deny, you know, he he you know, he takes credit for what he did create but he doesn't necessarily, you know he may not necessarily go out of his way to credit. The other person that uh, created whatever it was with him, he doesn't deny it, but he won't, you know, he won't no, get out of in for the it. information.
0: No? Yeah, hmm? press him for the information about it.
4: Yeah, sometimes, but like you know, it's it's becoming a little bit more common knowledge now, especially with the, you know the Avengers and and all the stuff, all these characters that Jack Kirby you know co-created with him are you know you know becoming much more popular. Uh, you know Iron Man and um Thor and and all of these all of these other things you know behind you know behind everything Stanley created in the, in the 60s was you know was a phenomenal artist that you know that contributed at least half as much to it
3: yeah yeah See, I didn't. I actually read an article about it like a few months ago about how much credit does he really deserve. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting thought. I never thought about that. Because, you know, half the time, people don't tend to give the artist a lot of credit because writer, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I've, I I've, know. Written, I've written all of all of one comic in my life.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Personally I'd go the other way around because uh comics are such a visual medium. If you don't have a good artist, the greatest writing in the world is gonna fall flat because you're choosing to present it that way.
4: Well here here was the thing about Marvel in the sixties was that there was so much there was so much stuff being put out and Stanley was responsible for so much of it. That was what the Marvel style was, was you know, he would write a really loose plot synopsis of whatever that issue of whatever that comic was at the time He'd hand it off to his artist, and they'd fill in, you know, 22 pages of art based on a very loose outline, and then they'd hand it back to Stan, and he'd write the dialogue, and he'd write, you know, know, narration that he's well-known for. So it was more collaborative. It was more, you know, the artist had much more creative uh, freedom, you know. Luckily enough, he was paired with, you know, some of the greatest artists that ever worked in comics, you know, uh, Steve Ditko and and Jack Kirby and... um, you know, Wally Wood and and, uh, all of these great, great, you know, visionary guys back in those days. So he was in good hands with that. It just so happened that he was. And, you know, we got, you know, the first, you know, 10 or so years of Spider-Man, some would say the first 20, you know, we got 104 issues of Fantastic Four with, you know, him and Kirby. And we got Iron Man and we got the Avengers and all of this stuff just one after the other after the other. there every step of the way, but so were a lot of other people.
3: <laughs> Didn't he not want the Silver Surfer to have that damn surfboard? That's what I read. I was on
0: crack. I don't remember. The fact is always right. <laughs> I don't know. It'll uh, be a fun fact to look up after this is over. All right, I think that's gonna pretty much wrap us up. So it's plug time. Cooper, what do you got to plug? Oh, what don't I have to plug? <laughs> Hardest working uh, man so, on the
3: Internet. Yeah, well, that's what Peasley calls me. I do not, I do not deny it. Uh, well, let's see. Podcasting-wise, pretty much everything I do is on the Radlish Broadcasting Network. So, yeah, that's here. You're listening to it. Good job. Continue doing so. There's the Metal Hammer of Doom, which is on Tuesday, every other Tuesdays with myself and Mark Radlish while we talk metal and or make funny jokes halfway through. Uh, this, not, not this week. The week after this week. Me and him are doing uh, our favorite metal covers of all time. That's going to be an amazing podcast. <laughs> damn it, throat. Don't give out on me now. It's going to be an amazing podcast because Mark loves covers and I like covers. Oh, it's just going to be a fun time. It's going to be kicking back, shooting the shit, and talking about who covered what.
0: Does one yeah, of you have Hammerfall's version of Youth Gone
3: Wild? No. Ah. No. Well, I mean, I could, dude, I can get a whole... <laughs> I am gonna. I mean, I could always get... Uh, oh, what's that damn song? Hammerfall covered, uh, oh, some fucking 80s song. I just forgot what it was. Oh, hold on. I'll look it up in the second. Yeah, there there was a Hammerfall cover of a song, and my buddy's like, this is the heaviest version of this. Ever. It was my Sharona. there with you. This is the heaviest version of my Sharona I've ever heard. And then I like up said, the Destruction version. He goes, shit. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Thrash metal is heavier than power metal. Yes, it <laughs> That's is. That's how this works. <laughs> and the uh, week after the week after next. So pretty much, and... Three weeks, or two weeks, I don't know. But yeah, the week two after weeks. that... Two weeks, thank you. Oh, no Uh We'll be doing Austrian Death Machine's newest album, Triple Brutal, before, you know, Mark goes on the Jonas, Jonas Exodus, and we don't see him for, like, three months. Oh, uh, it's going to be terrifying. But yeah, that, that's a thing. And there's also the podcast co-hosted by myself and the man who was on earlier, Jason Teasley, as I like to call him, Teasley, you bitch, from the cheap seats where he and I talk sports. So really, we've come to the uh, realization that we're more of an NFL podcast because while I enjoy and respect all the, uh, the other three major sports in the, in America, as well as soccer and all the other, you know, all the, the minor sports like curling and badminton, the only thing me and him really pay attention to is football. Yeah, we kind of just do football. And this last episode, it's kind of a shorter one, but you get to hear me do a 10-minute rant on why my Carolina Panthers are going to fucking suck next year. Oh, i be so mad. And then we make more inside jokes and talk football. But really, we just make inside jokes because after I finished ranting, we talked football for 15 minutes and then devolved into silly. Who would have thought?
1: <laughs>
3: and then there is my, my baby of a podcast You since I write a podcast where it's myself and two of my best friends we, we talk tokusatsu which is uh, Power Rangers and it's happening to Clipwood. so yeah we've been kind of gone for the past two three weeks uh, spent a lot of scheduling midterms sleep deprivation you know so uh, we will be batting this upcoming week with some stuff we've got a lot to record lots to talk about it's never going to end because we're covering three weekly shows <laughs> So yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's a fucking lot of stuff. So uh, you yeah, know, keep an eye out for that. Usually we release stuff on Friday, on uh, Mondays and Saturdays. But Marcus told me I can release shows on the same day as other people record shows. So uh, maybe we'll be getting a lot of stuff coming out. I don't know. And then uh, final podcast I have to talk about is the cooperative multiplayer podcast, which is on the TWNE After Dark page on sprinkler.com. It's live on uh, Saturday nights at midnight pretty awesome. It's uh, myself, Daniel Anderson, uh, Sean Garmer, and the returning host, at least for this week, Stephen Randall, talking about video games. It's going to be great, because now that Randall's back, we can have focus and not big jokes about Kellen Winslow for uh, 20 minutes. Uh, it gets so bad, because at least that one week, we invited Gary, who's so Sean's co-host on, and we just evolved into silliness. It's a common theme with me. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good podcast. Not sure what we're going to talk about, but, you know, it's always worthwhile listening. at least in my opinion. I mean, hell, I listen to it every week because I'm on it. <laughs> and then, uh, then finally, I have a column that sometimes comes out. It's called The Hammer of Doomer's Report on 411mania.com. And the music zone typically comes out, was supposed to come out Monday night, but I'm always late. So I usually look for it like Wednesday night for Jeremy. But, yeah, that, uh, I'm hoping to get it out this week, the news is like a week, like two weeks old now, but it's still talking about the Kiss Hall of Fame controversy stuff. And even though that is old news, it's still fresh news because you everybody wants to it hear it. Well, exactly that. And it's there's still stuff to be talked about. I mean,
1: yeah,
3: I mean it's it's big news that Kiss aren't going to perform at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they can't get the original Kiss together. So yeah, because everybody's a bunch of whiny bitches, and they're a bunch of sixty-year-old men who can't get their underwear out of a wad. So,
1: yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So that's that is my ten minutes of plugging. Who's next? <laughs> all
0: right, Ben, uh, what do you got going have, on? How
4: much time do I have?
0: You got time? Uh, <laughs> Thirty minutes.
4: Okay, I'll try to I'll try to remember. I try to get all my information accurate here. Um, I. I self-published a comic called Soul Exodus. Uh, you can check it out, at, and uh, you can order it. You can check out some web comics and uh, updates on what's going on with that on my website, soulxo.com, S-O-U-L-E-X-O.com. Also on the comics Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash soulxo. Uh, I also pencil a comic called Revolution of the Mask, which we're hoping to me and the uh, creator, Louis Lovehog, we're um hoping. To, uh, yeah. We are hoping to get some new information about uh, when we're gonna what what uh, avenues we're gonna take that in. We're thinking about uh going digital, we're thinking about doing something in, in trade, we're gonna be moving forward on that very soon. I hope I'm waiting on some new information. But uh yeah, check out uh Linkar's website for that. It's uh top fourth wall dot dot com. Um I will be appearing you know, I s you know, sort of. I'll have a table, I'll be exhibiting at Asbury Park Comic Con on April twelfth and thirteenth of this year. So if anybody for whatever ungodly reason, if you're in the New Jersey Asbury Park area it's actually a very nice part of New Jersey, I shouldn't, you know, disparage that. But it's uh if anybody's gonna oh, be out there on sh- that weekend. Yeah,
0: there's a shifting scale. If it's nice for New Jersey, right?
4: It's it's nice. It's beachfront. It's fine. They're rebuilding from Hurricane Sandy. They you know they they need uh they need a you know all the economic boost they can get. It's it's good. It, it's a good part of New Jersey, trust. But yeah, I'll be I'll be uh You know, I'll, have, I'll be exhibiting at Asbury Park Comic Con on April 12th and 13th. So if you happen to be there, check us out. I'll be selling you know comics, prints, uh, all kinds of stuff there. And, of course, I also draw title cards for a little podcast you may have heard of called Long Road to Ruin. Uh, I took the last episode off. and uh, needed a break, but I will be back. And so will uh, Sean Comer, apparently. will be back this Tuesday with Mark Radlitz as they cover the Evil Dead series. Uh, I will be doing title card art for that. That's probably how I'm going to be spending my weekend. Uh, but I regret nothing. <laughs> 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 so I always look forward to
3: seeing what, what you managed to add, Mark and Sean into. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I think which, you're gonna like
4: it. I think
3: you're all which gonna of like them this.
0: Is getting assaulted by the deer head, the taxidermy deer was getting attacked. That's my favorite scene from those movies when Ash is freaking out and the t- the animatronic uh, taxidermy deer head is laughing at him and he's laughing back at it. Is one of them getting <laughs> attacked um, by
4: that? I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a hint as to where I'm going with it. One of the two of them may or may not be a deadite. Um,
0: oh, okay. I know. I, I can. I have ideas now. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing so, them. Though. Yeah,
4: but yeah, check them out. They'll be uh, they'll be on this coming this Tuesday.
0: All right, mm-hmm. I'd like to thank both of you guys for being here, Ben. It was an absolute pleasure. You're very knowledgeable on the subject, and I'd like to thank you for being here. Thank you, Coop. Always a pleasure to have you on. You guys are both welcome back anytime. I take requests for shows, and or if I have a topic that you want in on, just hit me up. I'm, I'll try to work everybody in if possible. My plugs are going to be brief. I write uh, a weekly news column that goes live every Friday in the MMA zone of 411mania.com called Locked in the Guillotine. This week, I look back at UFC Fight Night Gustafson versus Manoa. I preview UFC 171, Lawler versus Hendricks, subtitled No Buys, because I don't think anybody's <laughs> buying that, up. That's, that. That's a different topic. Uh, you can hear me every week on the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. It goes live every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm either hosting or I'm a panelist. I get to be a panelist this week because Mark's back and he's going to host again. Yay me. This means less prep work. Uh, Everyone Loves a Bad Guy is every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm getting back to Batman next week. I'm making a hard commitment. We're gonna. So we can, you all can look forward to that next week when we touch on pretty much everybody but the Joker, I feel. We're just going to have some fun with that. Anybody have on that one yet? I have no uh, guests lined up at this time, Coop. So if you're interested, I will put your name in the hat, which I will then draw out. (laughs) I'm
3: very
0: very much so interested. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But that's going to wrap up my plug. So for Benjamin J. Colon... Great artist, and very grateful to have him here. For Robert Cooper, I am Robert Winfrey. Oh, there it is. Uh, blog talk randomly deletes sound bites, apparently, but this one survived. <laughs> All right, so for the aforementioned gentleman, I'm Robert Winfrey saying, remember, bad guys are what make good guys look so good. Without them, they're just guys in tights. So
1: say goodnight to the bad guys.